The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces Way of Life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events, and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages, to the Solid 7 Podcast, a better than average podcast, if I do say so myself. And I always do. I am, of course, your gracious host, Kale. And back with me this week, my good buddy, you know him, you love him, the one and only Dr. Scott Bland. And the Hello, crowd. my friend. How you doing? Hey, did I ever tell you that I had a plan to do one of these episodes and use a wacky morning radio voice the entire time? Never fess up or acknowledge that I was being an idiot I and just mess with you the yeah, entire recording. I don't think you told me. Um because I feel like I would have remembered it. I'm not surprised by this idea. Uh, I feel like it may have flown back in the uh, the early days of the podcast when I had a co-host and occasionally laugh tracks would be played and whatnot. But uh, I feel like I think we moved past. I think we matured beyond that. M- maybe <laughs> slightly. It's possible. I think I think a case can be made for it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So, uh, well, this is, uh, you know, just in uh, full disclosure, this is take two here <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, well, we'll get into it some, but we're uh, using a new uh, recording service uh, tonight, Squadcast. And uh, Scott is the absolute guinea pig for this. A, uh, a more professional, possibly better podcast may have done like a test recording. No, no, we're Bill O'Reilly in this. Maybe an eight of ten would have done that. Yeah, yeah, we're we're doing this Bill O'Reilly style. Nah, we'll do it. We'll do it live. (laughs) And so uh, we uh, it took us a bit to get up and running and get both of us in the studio, and then we were troubleshooting some mic stuff. And uh, I don't know, we were we were like eight minutes in, and it was it was just (laughs) it was just hot garbage all the way around. But we figured it, it out. It was a soup of hot by, by our powers combined, a couple of uh, middle-aged men, one including an actual medical doctor. Uh, we 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 worked it out. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, and uh, anyone who wants to feel yeah. smart smarter than a doctor um, can listen to Kale try to explain yeah. to me wireless technologies <laughs> later. Now, uh, the downside is because this is take 2, I have already cracked my Jocko Go. I've already been sipping. There's the there's the little tab, so I'll I'll sip. I'll, there's your little ASMR here. So the Jocko Go is open. It is being consumed. We are, despite this being our second take, we are, as always, fueled by Jocko Go. Now, part of uh, you know why we're we're having some uh, some technical difficulties here is just Scott's out of sorts. He's out of place. You just moved like five seconds ago. I did. So yeah, this last week we bought twenty acres. In the middle of nowhere as you can be and still be within 30 minutes of downtown Bentonville, which is Walmart central for everyone else. But uh, we got 20 acres out here. And so I am now on telephone tower, wireless internet, 
which is a little different than the fiber that I had at my last place. Oh, no kidding. Oh, okay. 100%, dude, especially with, okay, like, we're not going to be coy here, especially with doctor money. Let's be honest. You just bought 20 acres. We're talking doctor money here. You need to get Starlink, dude. Yeah, I'm willing to write some dumb money every month to have stupid internet, and I can't get it. You can. You need to get Starlink. It's not faster than what I have. Mm. Not listed. Mm. Yeah, so they list at like two two fifty three hundred. Then what do you get? That's what I've got. There's a there's a telephone tower literally in the cow field across my street. Mm. It's just not a gig of, uh, you know, fiber. Interesting, Elon. If you're listening, I think we can do better than this. Uh, chime in. We'll we'll make Elon. It if you can, I will buy your business version. It's expensive. I'll pay for it. <laughs> You tell me that I can have reliable five six hundred. I'll give you money. Yeah, I, I think it's really just going to be a matter of time, especially as they uh, they kind of cycle in the uh, the V two satellites for Starlink right now. They they did the original mm-hmm. V two was was much larger. It was designed to launch on Starship, um, and since they're not launching yet, they did a, a little a little pivot. Uh, you know, Ross from uh, from Friend Style. And uh, they they made like a V2 Mini that they can actually launch on the Falcon 9. So they're still launching version 2 satellites now. Um, just well, that's not, good because the, yeah. the, the listed speed for the residential versions is like 100 megs. Apparently, it's often much faster. Yeah. Uh, but the business version is two and a half times that. The trouble is that the hardware for the business version is like 2,500 bucks. Yeah. And then it's 200 bucks a month. Well, see, um, if you had, I was ready to pay for that when it was the most fast thing. If you had it's not here, managed to get a surgical residency, you could have paid for the <laughs> all the surgeons <laughs> laughing at family medicine money. <laughs> you stupid peasants. <laughs> uh, I Bro, I don't it. want to be a surgeon for nothing. Yeah. I had the worst time in my surgery rotation. Oh gosh. I blocked out her name, but the doctor who told me I would never be a good surgeon, you were correct. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I love it. So, uh, but no, you're you're out on your your own little little country in our, our throwaway take. The yeah. few minutes that we managed to record, uh, we were discussing mm-hmm. potential ranch names and the costs involved in putting up one of those cool ranch signs. Um, yeah, dude, uh, dropping telephone poles in the ground twenty something feet high. Is a re- is a really expensive thing. They're like they're like a ton worth of wood. But surely you're surrounded by like legitimate country people where you bought. Like, I gotta imagine if you don't have uh, like an auger for a tractor already, that someone around you does. Part of the problem is that bedrock here starts at about six inches. Dang. And so, so six inches down, you're you're legitimately hitting rock in most places. And then you got to go down another five and a half feet to be able to drop a three thousand pound piece of wood in the ground, and then take a fifteen foot long telephone pole and put it twenty feet in the air and safely brace it where the frequent sixty mile an hour winds around here won't knock it down. You realize, of course, that the Amish would do this between breakfast and lunch with no machinery whatsoever, right? Well, Jacob was smarter than I am. I don't know. And tougher. Yes. I I don't know if they would even break a sweat, if I'm being honest. I don't think that would even be a struggle. 
You ever watch like a proper like Amish barn raising? I have not, it's, but I have seen some rather large proper Amish barns. There was a Amish buggy track through the last town I lived in in Iowa and uh, met a bunch of Amish people there. And they, they had some very impressive barns. Dude, it's insane to watch them do it. It's like when you watch the, um, it's not stop motion. What's the word I, I'm looking for? It's like when you see sped up footage of ants like building a colony. It's really no different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the phrasing is. Time motion? Time yeah. gap? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. It's not what we do here. But uh, nope. was it, uh, you know, so you you were treating some Amish while you were up there, if I remember right? Like some of the places you were working had oh, buggy. We would occasionally have some come into the area, and I think I treated one once. But they, they have kind of their own medical isolation in the same way that they have kind of social isolation. And for the most part, if they're not incredibly ill, they tend to not come into the um, the American, the, the non-Amish hospitals and stuff yeah. like that. I think it depends too on, you know, there's Amish and then there's the Mennonites, which are kind of Amish light and there's different sects and different layers. That's sex with a CT, um, uh, yeah. sects. Um, I know, uh, Becca Strangarity. The group we were at was, was, was rather austere. Yeah. Uh, Becca yeah. Strangarity, no, uh, one of our regulars, her, her dad, um, is a doctor and they're, um, in, uh, like Lancaster area, Pennsylvania. And he actually treats yeah. he actually treats the Amish around there, uh, pretty pretty regularly. But uh, is is there any truth to? Um, I feel like I just saw something about this recently, with like just much lower incidence of, uh, you know, like allergies and cancers and all that kind of stuff in the Amish community. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not particularly sure. Um, I would think that a lot of the cancers that we have access to, like from our smoking and alcohol and stuff like that, which are pretty big predispositions, and the fact that uh, obesity actually has some predispositions as well, that if you're eating essentially natural foods, you're maintaining a, a more medically appropriate weight, you're not smoking, you're not drinking, and you don't tend to go to the normal uh, uh, American Western hospitals where if there is something that's going to get you, it tends to get you faster because you don't know about it. They're not taking, they're not taking medicine for high blood pressure. Um, then I, I, yeah, I don't think you get as many of those cancers. And if you have them, maybe you don't even know. Yeah, that, that could be it. Or it could be uh, never. Well, you know, I don't want to cast. I would lean heavier on their just healthier people than we yeah, are. Yeah. I was gonna say I don't, I don't want to cast aspersions on the Amish, but there, I mean, there's some potential for kind of a kind of a like Spartan situation there too. Like, might be that the the weak ones just uh, just don't make it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Who knows? Some survivor happens. bias. Kind of Who thing? knows what happens out there? You know? I mean, yeah. Hey, on a medical level, some of that stuff might be real. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of uh, you know immune systems. Uh, I, I've heard, and uh, it, I mean, it's just, you know, it's whatever, um, that there's evidently a, a new a new strain of COVID. I don't know anybody who's still I, keeping up with this I stuff. I actually had to Google that today when you sent me the pre, the prep notes. I did note in talking with one of my colleagues uh, the other week that there seems to be a, a 
I say a bunch of new COVID, you know, getting two or three, four cases a day or something in an urgent care. And um, they don't seem particularly sick. You know, it's normal cold and flu level sickness. And so um, I don't tend to pay attention to new strains if it doesn't particularly change anything. And more people having a mild cold level illness doesn't particularly change anything. Uh, I haven't heard stories of ICUs starting to fill up again or anything like that. So as long as it stays a mild strain that it's basically flu level, I, I it's a it's kind of a nothing burger, if that makes sense. Now, not a nothing burger to the few people who get extremely sick, but but to the population at large, it doesn't seem to be a massive threat. Right. Well, and with all of the normal crap that floats around, all the various things that cause what we call colds, and with flu, and with RSV for kids, there's always a percentage for whom it's a horrible bad deal. Like, co- yep. like COVID's not unique in that. Dude, like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, don't want to beat this horse to death every time I... Like, I, the flu for most of us is not a big deal. Yeah. But the flu will kill 20,000 people to 50,000 people a year. Yeah. Well, except for the two years that COVID was around, and then somehow the flu disappeared. But I'm sure that was just all the masking and distancing. But there's straight up people right now, dude... <laughs> That are, um, and I, we probably, okay, whatever the normal disclaimer is, Scott's not your doctor. This isn't metal, medical advice. We're talking to entertain you. You have medical questions. Go see your own doctor. Um, yes. But uh, like, so just in, you know, my mild mannered, uh, you know, daytime life where I'm not a podcast right now, I've had a few people, you know, kind of in my professional circle have to have to fall off the radar for a few days because they were, they were positive for COVID to which my first reaction at this point is how do you know? Why, why do you know that? I get, they took a test, but why? I, I don't understand why anybody in their right mind, unless you're in an emergency room, having a hard time breathing or in an ICU and it's strongly medically suggested to you. I don't get why anybody would take a COVID test right now. It just like exhibit just common decency. If you've got a fever or you're heavily symptomatic with something, stay away from people until you're not. Yeah. Don't and go breathe on people. And once you're yeah. not, then go back around people. Yep. Yeah. I do tell, so I see a lot of college age people for just the location of where I, where I treat people. And, and I'll tell a healthy 20 year old, like, Hey, if you have the ability to do, you're doing online classes, as, as long as you like feel mildly sick, just just stay home. If you need to know to get out of something for isolation cautions, or whatever, sure, man, we'll do a test. I got you. But like, I it's not like medically needed in any way, shape, or form for people who are so healthy they wouldn't even qualify by the extremely broad criteria for those COVID pills. Um, the, those are really, really broad criteria to qualify for the Paxlovid pills. And, uh, you know, a BMI of 26, you qualify. So, uh, you know, if, if you're not going to take the pills because you don't think you have a higher risk issue and you have the ability to self-edit your life so you're not breathing on people while you're sick, I, I don't see a whole lot of reason to knowing why it's COVID versus the flu or random cold. Um, yeah, but I've always been a bit more of a fatalist on that sort of stuff. I, I now, still, if you're 70 with yeah. asthma, yeah, 
That makes I, a lot more sense. I, I still, I, and everything's I think, a risk. I, I, I know I've shared this on the podcast before, and it might have been one of the times you were on, might have been another guest. I don't know, but it's just so funny to me to, you know, like go to the pediatrician now, and if the kids have something upper respiratory, they'll say, okay, we're we're gonna test for you know COVID and flu, right? But they never say like pre-COVID, they would never say, oh, we're gonna test for RSV, which is much more dangerous for kids my my children's age. Uh, but they would just say it might be this, uh, but it's it will clear itself up. You can test for RSV. They didn't. It posed a bigger risk than risk than COVID. Why are you trying to test my kid for COVID? There's no reason other than billing yeah. for. There's no reason other than you want to bill for it. There's nothing. You won't convince me otherwise. I'm not particularly impressed with the utility of Tamiflu for kids anyway. So otherwise healthy kids who look like they have a mild cold. I generally tell moms and dads like, hey, unless you need to know for some particular reason, your kid's going to be staying home from school because they got a fever. You're not going anywhere because you're staying home with them. If you want to know if it's COVID or flu, I can do a test. But I don't see a reason. It's not going to change this kid's life to know. because and, And I don't see ever a reason to be testing for RSV unless there's a real high risk other kid in the house. Or you're going to the hospital where the treatments would change. Because yeah. the treatment for kids staying at home with RSV is stay at home and do cold stuff. It's it's just largely support. It's, you know, stay home, be a good mom. But, uh, dude. Be a good we're, dad. We're like, here, we're take here. care of him. Give him some Tylenol. Dude, we're entering the fall of 2023. As we record this, fall of 2023. There are government officials at the state and federal levels, not my state, but some states at the state and federal level going, well, guys, it's time to mask back up, especially indoors. Like, are you guys drunk? Are you out of your freaking minds? Like, th- there's the the tiny percentage of people that COVID just completely broke. Like, I don't know if you saw the the footage of this lady that was floating around in the last, I don't know, week or two, where she had posted to who knows what social media site video of herself talking about how she hadn't gone out in public like since COVID started. So whatever, two, three years, whatever we're going on now. But she really wants to see the Barbie movie. So what she's done is she's rented out an entire small theater. And she's opening up this experience to a a very select number of other people that would like to come have this experience with her, uh, but want to be thoroughly protected. Everyone staffing the theater for this showing has volunteered to mask with an N95 or better and asked and volunteered to be COVID tested before their shift. Um, Everyone attending must be masked in an N95 or better. You can't take it down to eat. You can't take it down to drink. If you need to scratch your nose, you need to leave the theater. Unmask, scratch, and return. Uh, I mean, so other than that that subset of humanity that's just broken, like it just broke them. It's just sad, Um, right? Like treatment needs to happen there, and the treatment's not for COVID. Other than that, we're not putting the freaking masks back on. Nobody's doing it. Yeah, there is a, a diminishing rate of return on precautions at a certain point where you're just like, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where the, the value for those things is. Like if I didn't want my house to burn down, right, I can build it well. I can follow basic building code stuff. Um, I can live in an area that has a fire department. I can have smoke alarms. Um, or I could pay a guy to sit in every single room 24 hours a day 
holding a fire extinguisher with walkie-talkies, checking in with each other every five minutes to make sure the guys in the other rooms are alive and not on fire. Like at, at some point you go, well, well, are, are we doing more than is really necessary for the risk that's present here? And, you know, everyone's got to figure out their own junk, I guess. Well, and just the reality is, like, it's not a right or a left thing anymore. Like, we have some distance on this thing. We have some perspective. Like, the the data's in. Like, the, the, the conversation over did the masks help or hurt, like, it's over. It's not up for debate. At the, at the level of mask most people had their hands on and were using, it was utterly pointless, if not actually harmful in some, uh, like, detrimental, I should say. Not necessarily harmful, but detrimental. Uh, in one way or another, it, it was just goofy. Well, sometimes you, you'd you'd go into a store and you'd see someone with essentially a, a, a kerchief drifted over their mouth, not their nose, um, and and literally breathing in someone's face. And you're going, I don't see how this is particularly useful. I mean, if I tried to go into a surgery doing sterile procedure with that level of competence. And, you know, completeness, I would get thrown out of the room for not protecting anything. And you could make the argument that you either owe protection to other people or it was a useful idea or not. I don't know. But the level at which most people were doing it was pretty laughable at best. And at this point, we're back to for the 99.99999, I'm making up a number here, percent of people, COVID is a mild cold at best. Yeah. And so I, I don't see a reason for the average person walking through a store to be statistically nervous. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And, so and- a lot of times when I'm talking to folks, they ask me, well, what do I do about, you know, having a cold? I'm like, well, what would you do when you had a cold before? Right. So think back to five years ago before we told everyone that if you sneeze, you're going to kill everyone. Like, how did you behave then? And that statistically, that's kind of how it works. And it's just a thing that's hard for people to get back to because, uh, you know, admittedly, we were in a panic and we we oversold um, the, the risk for a while. Because once the strains calmed down, we kept selling that everyone was going to be dead. And that seems to be <laughs> inaccurate because we're all still here. Yeah. I say all. A, a lot of us are still here. It's just, fr- I mean, I want to be, um, I want to be like, yeah. I'm not looking to have another big block of an episode of my podcast spent on COVID. Like it doesn't deserve it. But what what's frustrating, why, why I bring it up is just because like it well, is. Certainly not the current strains. Right. Well, it, it yeah. like it is in the news. And that's what's frustrating is like, this isn't a story. Like this strain, not newsworthy. Nothing about this needs to re- be reported. It's just, it's just straight up fear mongering. For a subset of the population who will still give that clicks and still give that eyes, right? Like there's a reason yep. I don't like mention where I see these stories on here. It's not because I, I'm not willing to cite my sources or link them in the show notes. It's like it doesn't deserve the clicks. It's, it's garbage. I, I don't even want to call it gar- journalism. It's, it's garbage reporting. Like there's no news there. Yeah. It, it's not particularly that, that useful to anyone. Um, so it's to me, I view news stories now a lot like I view the my metric for should I do a test at clinic, uh, and it's usually like, well, will it change anything? 
And I don't see how knowing this information that there's a, oh, the, the thing that makes most people feel like they have a cold has a new name. Oh, okay. I mean, what do I do with that, yeah. right? So what, I, I don't know. What is, since we're on this God changing the menu at Taco Bell has more yeah. effect on me. Yes. Man, what a racket oh, they have hey, going. The place in town will make a double-decker taco if I explain to them how to do it. Right on. Dude, I, it's yeah. just uh, the racket that Taco Bell has going where they just repackage, literally like rewrap the same five ingredients different ways. God bless you, Taco Bell. And listen, I don't care what yep. you say. Will Taco Bell kill you? Maybe. But is it delicious? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. And if you yeah. tell me it's not, you're lying about that, just like you're lying about all of Nickelback's music yep. being bad. It's not. Don't, don't tell me that a cheesy gordita with some fire sauce poured inside isn't actual fire. Dude. It's great. Cheesy gordita crunch <laughs> is my jam. Um, so good. So listen, before we move off the godforsaken topic of uh, COVID, maybe we can do some, some buddy some, some good right here. Uh, I don't know. Again, this is for your entertainment purposes only, people. But uh, what is the current guidance on these... Uh, stupid um, vaccines and what should people actually do? Because what, what I, I saw somebody the other day and I think it was probably Alex Berenson and obviously his reportings, you know, he, he's got an angle, like he's super down on, um, on, on the vaccines. And I think he makes a great case for, for why he is, but he was making the point of like, he was bringing up, somebody was told, that they, they should consider a booster and it would be like, I don't know, the fourth or fifth one. He's like, there is absolutely zero testing or data short-term or long-term on fourth and fifth shots with these things. Um, as last I looked, the current guidelines was, was essentially perpetual boosters. And the, since this new particular strain started being mentioned, they were mentioning that they were retooling the vaccines to be more effective against this new strain. Um, I will just, you know, I'm, I am not giving medical advice to anyone. God bless my lawyers. Um, I will tell you, I haven't done any boosters. I did my two. The strains calmed down in terms of threat level. And I said, well, I think I'm good. Yeah. Uh, that's what I did. Now, yeah, everybody's got to figure out their own stuff. Talk to your doctor. Talk about your risk. But I don't see with the current level of risk. You know, I see a lot of people who have COVID. I see how sick most of them are. And I'm seeing the ones who feel sick enough to go see a doctor. And I, I don't see any reason at that level for me, a middling, healthy, 40-ish-year-old dude to go get more, more boosters. If we start seeing strains that are putting people in the hospital and we have data that those vaccines are dramatically changing that in the future, sure, I'll, go, I'll talk about getting some more. But I'm not there right now. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm where you're at, in my, at least in my vaccination status, in that I got the first two. Uh, I don't know that you agree with this statement. At this point, I, I, would, I wish I hadn't. If I, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have done them um, and haven't gotten any boosters. And uh, I can't imagine at this point what would change my mind on getting any mRNA-based boosters. Um, I, I do. I'm not done on the whole technology. I just don't necessarily think that now that we've had the time to go back and look at it all, 
I don't see that for someone in my demographic that the risk was that particularly high, yeah. even with the, the more dangerous strains, right? It really was predisposing to people who were sicker and higher, higher risk conditions than I did. Now, I was a pretty stone cold, healthy late thirties guy. I, I, I was statistically going to be okay. Yeah. Now I'll say, uh, this angle of this probably is worth, uh, an educated discussion, um, with someone like yourself and, uh, not at all trying to traipse into conspiracy, uh, you know, territory here. I'll leave that to Alex Jones. I mean, Steven Crowder brought him back in all of his infinite wisdom. And so I don't want to step on their toes. I'm going to leave that market to Alex. Um, but is there, you know, the saying is where there's smoke, there's fire. And the problem is that correlation is not always causation, right? So it's tough to suss things out. So are we seeing increased incidents these days of um, heart-related issues, particularly in otherwise healthy people? Or are we seeing increased reporting on those incidents and those issues. And I'm going to go ahead and lump in there because we're, it gets we're reported. seeing at least one of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, for all, all jokes aside. So it, even back during the immediate uh, panic, back when the Johnson and Johnson was a big one, right? Um, you know, there were literal documented, Hey, there are higher risks of these odd blood clots that were happening in uh, younger women primarily. Um, and I'm still not sure if they figured out if there was a correlation of birth control being a, the predisposing as to why that age group women had the issues. But, but men were largely immune at that point. And then since then, there's been um, documented increase in uh, myocarditis reports from like particularly younger males who had had the shots um, now, there, it is true that there were increased rates of myocarditis in folks who had COVID. But that's a thing, too, yeah, right? That's, that's been one of my um, questions with this. Like, you know, you and I have a very exuberant common friend who I don't know that you could convince him that all of this isn't directly related to uh, the vaccines. And uh, but I, I just feel like, and maybe it's because I, I just have spent time maybe a little closer to um, like distance endurance sports than the, yep. than the population at large. Uh, you know, you once upon a time, you and I did a triathlon together. I was a swimmer once upon a time. You were a runner. I've spent a lot of time cycling. And in those worlds, <coughs> you would occasionally hear a story about, you know, this guy who's a, an accomplished Ironman triathlete just dropping dead yep. out on a run, like heart just quit. And you hear yep. that in, and, and not like some 50 year old slouch who decided to get back in shape and just no. hit started. Running. No high end competitor right. for decade, just, just dead in a run. And so the, the thing where there's been a caveat to this, to me, the, the thing where I'm not like, Hey, let's, you know, let's grab our pitchforks and head to Pfizer. Right. Is, one, I, I just haven't met, I can't suss out. I don't have the, the time or the resource to suss out. Is there an actual increase in these incidents, particularly in young athletes, what's getting all the news, you know, LeBron's yep. son. And basically if any medical issue comes up with anybody at this point, people are like, oh, but they got that vaccine. I mean, whatever was going on with Jamie Foxx, um, all that type of stuff. But what, what I can't suss out is, is the incidents actually higher 
or is it just confirmation bias? Is it just being reported and covered more? And if it is higher, is anybody tracking the data in vaccinated versus unvaccinated in that I think it'd be hard to um, really nail down what the cause is. Of course, there's articles saying it's climate change because, dear God, isn't everything climate change? Um, but, uh, like, is it related to having had COVID and been exposed to it? Or is it related to having been vaccinated for COVID? And, you know, based on the vaccines mimicking and using the spike protein, it could be both, right? It, it could, like, yep. it could be that either one was an, it would generate an increased risk factor for these things. Yeah, there's there's all, and I don't know that I trust either side of that argument at this point to be neutral and unbiased enough to actually put together real numbers, uh, because I think that there are a lot of folks who just really have an emotional need to be right at this point. I mean, I think it, I feel so, like it would be know. pretty telling, in that I feel like there's a, a broad enough sampling that. Yep. If you if you nailed if you nailed it down to where if you could demonstrate particularly if you just said even NCAA yeah. athletes yeah but if you could say they all have doctors yes they all have teams of medical people I I I feel like yeah. it would be possible to nail down okay yes you know these incidents have been tracked over decades um, particularly in these competitive athletes. And so, mm-hmm. yes, either we are seeing more of this or we aren't. If we aren't, then it's all just media garbage yet again. Uh, yep. it's just and you're done. But if they are higher, okay. So I would think it would be very easy to go uh, to look at the people who are, who are experiencing these incidents and go, okay, were they ever diagnosed positive with COVID? Yes or no. Were they ever vaccinated? Yes or no. I feel like that would be able to, Mm -hmm. I I think you could differentiate that data set pretty easily, but I haven't seen anybody going, yeah, here's that data. Here's your, here's where we go. Yeah, it it probably is this. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think that you'd find a pretty high prevalence of vaccination in college athletes, um, at least those who are juniors and seniors right now. Yeah, because a lot of the colleges went really, really hard on you can't be on campus, you can't be in any group events, you can't do anything unless you go get vaccinated. Some of them are still they requiring very, very hard. On there, there's colleges still requiring it, Scott. Like right now, you want to you want to go enroll as a freshman this fall semester. I, I admittedly, I don't know that I think that that's a uh, medically statistically necessary thing to do. But I believe that there's colleges still doing it. I, I absolutely think that's probably yeah. accurate. Yeah, it, it's annoying. But I, 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 do, I just don't see the statistical risk to a healthy 19-year-old yeah. at this point. And, and here's, here's where I hedge on this. Here's where I'm not just full tilt boogie. Yeah, this is worse than ever. This is a new thing, and we need to get to the bottom of this. Um, is that This was prevalent enough. At, the, at least high school aged athletes that we started to throw AEDs on all of our school campuses. And that happened before any of us knew the word COVID. Any of us outside of your profession knew the word COVID. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, crazy. it was... Now, I think, I think sports should have had AEDs ahead of time. That's insane to me they didn't. But, you know... There's that. Well, but then I mean, again, you there, know, there was Kale some gap I, in the tech we, there. You but... know, we both go to large churches. Yeah. I've, 
I've always been shocked that large churches with, uh, you know, a couple thousand people in the room don't own an AED. We have it. We have them around now. You do now. Yeah. Yes. We've, we've had them for some time now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we don't need to get into the event that caused that, but yeah, I, uh, I'm just waiting for that, that tech to get miniaturized enough where it's like an attachment for your iPhone. It's like, Hey, yeah, plug. a lot of stuff is getting pretty, pretty far there. So there are ultrasound wands that literally just plug into your iPhone Yeah, and you can, with an ultrasound, there are, um, two or three lead plug into your iPhone EKGs now. The i the iWatch actually is statistically pretty good, yeah, at detecting AFib and some of the nothing for heart attacks, yeah. but for a number of very dangerous rhythms, extremely good. Yeah, uh, now I'm gonna the tech I'm, is just getting better and better. I'm gonna back up a little bit here because I'm gonna need you to go ahead and and call that an Apple Watch and and please never say iWatch again. In front of, of people. Did I say I watch? Is that yeah. not the right term? No, no, that's yeah. Don't don't use that one. <laughs> my wife has uh, my wife has one. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have an Apple phone, not an iPhone. Apple. <laughs> yeah, it's it's iPhone? funny. I actually, um, you know, I I have to get recertified in that stuff every couple of years. Uh, again, uh, until the the podcast pays all the bills for my mild mannered day job, and I always give our the uh, the health director a hard time because um, I'm like, doesn't CPR at this point basically consist of me turning the AED on and doing whatever it tells me to do <laughs> until someone else um, is there? With to the take exception over. of someone should be pressing on their chest while that's going on, yes, no, but it. it that's pretty much it. It tells you. It gives you clicks. It's got a freaking metronome. It tells you when to do compressions. It tells you when to do beats. It tells you when to back off. It tells you to, oh, everything well, to oh, do. Oh, it actually has a metronome. That's yes. good. So high-quality compressions is that, and speed to AD is pretty much the, the, the highest you can do something about it to increase survival rates. Yeah. The most recent data I had heard was that- Most people don't push hard enough or yeah. don't come off the chest enough. Um, the, and well, and, the, and confirm if, uh, you know, if I'm right or wrong here, but I, the most recent data I had heard was that compressions were more important than the breaths. Uh, for, oh, for, uh, adults, uh, 100%. It's not even close. I thought I had heard at one point that the recommendation was even to go to no breaths, just compressions. But I, I mean, I heard that several years ago and nothing for just, single, for single, uh, rescuer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you don't have like the bag mask, which is the only way to, you just trade compressions. It, because if you start confusing and stopping the compressions to try and get some half-hearted breaths in, um, anything that messes up the compressions uh, is very, very bad. Interesting. Well, now we know. Yeah. Well, you're, uh, mm-hmm. we, we touched on it earlier with some good-natured uh, ribbing of uh, you being a family medicine doc and not a surgeon. But you're also, as we, as we talked about on... Uh, your last visit here, uh, dual board certified in uh, weight loss medicine, obesity medicine. I don't know. Whatever makes you sound cooler. We'll go with that one. And uh, yep. obviously these meds, uh, Ozempic and Wigovi, thank you, Hollywood, just could not be in the news anymore. And at first it was all just, a, uh, hey, order the pizza, get the cake because you don't need to worry about working out anymore because these are going to solve it for you. They were the wonder yep. pill. And... In recent reporting, it seems like 
the universal now it's worse than COVID. Yeah, the universal depending uh, <laughs> which commercial you look at. Yeah, the the universal principle holds true of there's no such thing as a free lunch, and I feel like every day is a Duh. new horror story about both about one of these drugs or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is that the ones they keep talking about is Wagovi and Ozempic, which are literally the same chemical. It's the exact same chemical made by the exact same company in a different dose with a different color pen and different words written on it. All right. It's the exact same stuff. Um, and the, the premise it works is you get FDA approval for very specific things. They don't just say, hey, this med is good. You could sell it. They say, hey, you can advertise this med for this particular purpose, and you get a very line item kind of FDA approval. And Ozempic was approved for diabetes. It was it's actually a pretty good med to help out diabetes. And everyone realized, like, oh, these people are losing a lot of weight. And then someone was like, oh, people will pay a lot of money for that. We should, we should get this approved for that too. And then they were like, let's, let's run another thing. Let's not just, let, let's not just have a, the same name because Ozempic is already... The, the timeline for it to go generic is already running. Let, let's just do a new one. And we'll, we'll call it Wagovi. God bless and, him. Uh, and so it's a higher dose of the same, same medicine. And it is approved for weight loss. Uh, I mean, I like it's, it's actually very good at that. Yeah. But, you know, I, when it first came out, I actually did a video talking about how, uh, yes, it statistically works very, very well. But the thing that people miss is if you're paying cash price for it, it's like a really nice car payment. It's six, seven hundred bucks a month. And it's meant to be a literal forever medicine. I, I want to repeat that again for everyone who didn't hear me say that. It's meant to be a forever medicine. All their data says you gain the weight back if you stop taking it. Dang. Because what it does is it artificially changes some of your, you know, craving, hunger, hormone cycles and stuff like that. And if you don't make all the other changes that you would have made to lose weight without the medicine, when the medicine goes away, you just go back to where you were. And that might work for some people because they need that and they're willing to take it forever. Some folks say, well, I need it to get me down and I'm going to be able to increase my activity level once I lose some weight. But if you don't do some really significant psychological lifestyle activity changes in your life, when you stop taking the med, you go right back to where you were. Dang. I mean, I could they see... They don't put that in a commercial. I could see some great use cases there for, um, like, you need an organ transplant, but you need to drop mm-hmm. weight to get to where you can even have that surgery, which is the case for a family member for me right now. I, I can see where yep. that, that makes some sense. What... Uh, what's the biological mechanism here? Like, what was uh, like, what was it supposed to be doing, or what does it do for diabetics? Um, so, part of what it does is it deals with some of the, like the hunger hormones. So, some of it is you just literally eat less. Some is as you lose less weight, your um, insulin resistances change. Right. That that you know that hormonal pathway changes, and there's also some change in gut motility. And so you, you have like a feel full, full faster kind of thing. So um, a lot of times they will actually have folks who are going into bariatric surgeries will have to stop taking this medicine temporarily 
Because when you have uh, abdominal surgeries, there's a, a thing known as like gastroparesis or uh, where, where you literally have your intestines kind of stop afterwards, you know, and things just stop processing. And so being on a medicine that also slows down motility post-surgery. So a lot of folks will literally have you stop taking it for the two, two three weeks around surgery. So th- that's kind of the, the general vibe of it there. But um, That's interesting. So it's, it's a medicine that doesn't cause dangerously low blood sugars like insulins can. Yeah. Um, and the, there's a couple of things in that class. Some are weekly, some are daily. And, you know, one of those little shots where you don't have to be checking your blood sugars all the time to control your diabetes. And it really kind of moderates all that food down. It's, it's really helped a lot of people out. It is not the kind of thing that replaces insulin at all. If you're type one, you're still on insulin. Right. But it sounds like what it's it's doing, like it's faking the impact that we see from low carb diets. So it's, it's, it's working on ghrelin and leptin and it's getting you to a point where you're, um, you're getting rid, uh, or you're, you're restoring your insulin sensitivity. So insulin can do what it's supposed to do, which insulin is just a transporter molecule. Um, and so, but you see that same exact thing with low carb diets. We 100% see people reversing type two diabetes with, with healthful low carb diets. So whole food, low carb diets, meat, fish, fowl, eggs, some nuts, some eggs, maybe some fruit, uh, and, yep. a, and a whole bunch of veggies and, and you're good to go. And you, you follow that right there. I mean, just do what I just said, eat when you're hung, eat, eat from the categories I just mentioned, hat tip, Mark Sisson, um, eat from those categories, eat when you're hungry, stop eating when you feel full, you will likely drop weight. You've got to be at a caloric deficit, but you'll probably get there without counting calories if you're sticking to those, yeah. but you will restore the insulin. The hunger cues are yeah. just different if you stop the, like the insulin surges of carbs yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And when you just look at the calorie density of things, it's, it's a lot of work to eat 3000 calories of a full keto diet. Yeah. If you're eating natural foods, not like, you know, you get into some of like the, the, the keto snacks, the prepackaged stuff, some of those can be pretty calorie dense, but um, I don't know if anyone has ever sat down and tried to eat 3,000 calories of fish. Um, you're not gonna, not not accidentally, right? So, um, I mean, even I think that most people are shocked how much their hunger cues change yeah. if they'll actually just fight through the initial kind of keto fluish kind of vibe they get, and. It, it really does work if you change a bunch of things. The trouble is that eventually most people only have two ways of eating in their mind. They have the, the thing that got me to obesity, and then they have the, the crash diet to, to lose it. And they don't ever start to work on, well, what's the maintain healthier weight way of eating? Yeah. Most of us have the willpower for a certain amount of time to just do the crash diet, right? Uh, it's not impossible. It's annoying. It's uncomfortable. Most of us can do it. But very, very few people master that, that third phase of maintain healthier weight. And the medicines, they do really help with the hunger cues. They, statistic, they statistically work. But, you know... The insurances are fighting on it, and then there's supply and demands and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people who've lost 40, 50 pounds in these meds, and all of a sudden they can't get their dosing anymore. 
And then they're panicked trying to flip to some of their medicine in that, in that class because they're terrified they're going to gain the weight back. And the manufacturer's own data says they will. So what's, um, like, I'm, I'm seeing the negative reporting and I'm just not clicking through on it because, you know, whatever, time's a limited resource. Mm-hmm. But so uh, what, what are the downsides we're seeing with this drug at this point? Like, what, what, what are the hits it's taken now? Um, some folks will have like, like the, the gastric up, the, the, the biggest issues is gastric upset. And the trouble is that's a spectrum. And so some people have a mildly queasy stomach. Some people have, um, you know, near debilitating diarrhea and, or, or like, you know, upset stomach and cramping and stuff like that. And, you know, you give the medicine to 10 million people. Uh, some of them are going to have some worse symptoms than others. And yeah. then there is a predisposition towards certain types of cancers if you have prior thyroid conditions, not just normal like hypothyroidism, taking Synthroid or something like that. Um, another one is not recommended for pregnant people. Uh, so you're actually supposed to stop for a while before trying to take pregnancy. So those are probably the, the bigger ones that, that happen. Um, and I think part of the issue is there are a lot of people who don't understand the medicines taking it. A lot of people don't understand the medicines prescribing it. Um, there are lots of places where for 20 bucks, some random faceless prescription pad somewhere will write you a script and the meds just show up in the mail. I've had people randomly in my urgent care say, hey, do you know anything about this medicine? I've been taking it for like two months from like this app. And um, like they didn't really ask me a bunch of stuff or explain it to me like, like, am I allowed to take this while I'm trying to be pregnant? Dude. No, no, you're not. Stop that immediately and stop trying to conceive for a little bit too. Uh, so there's a lot of very, very bad medicine happening around it. Um, but when people want something really bad, you know, it creates a demand and all capitalism loves a vacuum. And when there's a demand for something, there are often unethical people who will pop into the system to try and meet the demand. And, you know, there's some folks doing good work in in obesity medicine, but there's some folks who are really, 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 really bad people doing bad medicine and not trying to help. And they're not. And they're also selling, hey, just take this medicine. You don't have to change anything about your life. You don't need to change a thing. That was going to be everything. Just take this pill. That was going to be my question is like, how is this being deployed? Because. Um, you know, and regular listeners will know, like I can dig into this stuff a little bit. Like I can, I can talk a little bit, uh, you know, below the surface level into me. If you, if you take this drug and you're, you're dropping weight because you've, you, you know, you, you've restored some sensitivities, all those positives to just Im- improving diet of, you can actually like when you feel hungry, it's because you're actually hungry and you can actually feel full and insulin can actually do its job. So you're you're going to start to to drop that weight, cool. But if you're still eating garbage, you're dropping weight, but you're still going to be you're like you're still going to have metabolic syndrome. Like you're still going to be metabolically unhealthy. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's there's syndromes where folks who are normal scale weight, you know, their their height versus weight BMI puts them in a normal weight category. But their body composition, the the amount of their body that is fat tissue versus muscle is is so wrong and so medically um, inappropriate that they still qualify as obese as, or as having obesity is the phrasing they're trying to use now as having obesity um, because way too much of their body is body fat. Oh 
Oh like, so that's God. a thing that exists. And, and if you're doing some app that, hey, give us 50 bucks, we'll send you a script, we don't care about you. If you're doing that, you're probably not getting someone describing to you how much of your meat, your, your intake needs to be protein to try and maintain muscle mass. They're probably not describing to you that you need to not just go out and walk. You need to do resistance exercises because you can't lose 70 pounds in four months and um, live on, you know, uh, French fries and have it be a healthy way of doing it. Like, it's just not a thing. Um, and a lot of that stuff and, you know, the emotional relationship to food, the lifestyle habits that we have, like even just simple things like just teaching people what constitutes sugars, what doesn't. Some of that stuff just literally doesn't exist. I had a guy come in and tell me that he had been drinking coconut water because it was water and it was helping his diabetes and his diabetes was going to dramatically worse. He didn't know what was going on. So like people just don't know basic things and that's not a knock on them. It's, it's a knock on the system that hasn't set it up to told people that. And most people are not motivated or, um, I guess they were knowledgeable enough about the system to even go and find that information. And so if you're prescribing a very expensive lifetime medicine to someone that can do damage if it's taken wrong, and you're not also taking the time to walk them through this, the rest of this huge ball of information that is how you got to obesity, uh, you're, you're a bad doctor. Dude, I mean, I'm just thinking about somebody who's on, who's on this drug, right? Dropping, like you said, 40, 50, 60, 70 pounds over a given period of time. Mm -hmm. And you think about if their, their average daily intake is like 40, 50 grams of protein and like 700, 800, 900 grams of carbohydrates, which is not at all, like that's easy to do. Easy, easy to do. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much yep. in line with the standard American diet. Throw some fat in there too. It's one of the reasons I mentioned French fries. Dude, right? the garbage health they would that, that person would be in. And is it? I, but I mean, if that same person, if that same person wakes up every morning, and they have you know some eggs and avocado, maybe a piece of toast, they uh, you, then they then for for you know dinner to have some some chicken and some vegetables and or a big steak and some vegetables or something like that, and then have a, a piece of fish and some nuts in in the middle of the day. Like if they eat the the whole natural foods high in protein throughout the day. Their whole life is different compared to, quote unquote, the standard American diet. And does this, and I, I don't mean this in the sense of like a fitness magazine that would tell you how to target fat in certain areas. It's friggin' ridiculous. Um, that's not a, yeah, thing. not a thing. But there are different types of adipose tissue. There are different types of, of fat tissue in the body. And True. Vi visceral fat, the fat around your organs, which is what you were alluding to, basically talking about people being skinny fat. You can drop the weight and look thin, still have a garbage. Well, I was even speaking about like, you know, your arms and legs might be quote unquote normal appropriate sizes for BMI measuring charts and stuff like that, yeah. but that there just won't be muscle in them and you'll just have a lot of fat. So the, one of the stereotypes there is, um, is like, uh, like, like much older people. You know, you, yeah. you just start muscle wasting earlier, and the the elderly are the one of the harder ones for this. Where they're if they stand on a scale, you'd be like, "Oh, you're doing good. You're a normal, appropriate, healthy weight for your height." But if you were to actually measure their muscle mass, yeah, you would find it to be incredibly low. Sarcopenia. You'd find it to be incredibly low, and. If you then just looked at their the percent of their body weight that was body fat, because obviously the weight has to come from somewhere, um, they would qualify as having obesity. Yeah. Uh, but but they would look 
right when you looked at them. Obviously, they would they wouldn't look sturdy, but they would look the right size. Yeah. So I, what I, what I'm interested in, and if there's data behind, or if you're you're seeing this, um, you know, clinically yourself is, um, is is what if any impact from these medications, particularly if you're not seeing a change in diet, are uh, are are you seeing in visceral fat? Because visceral fat is particularly nasty. Yeah, so I haven't seen someone differentiate large studies on percent of visceral versus percent of like you know um, like 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 uh, peripheral fat, right? Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, what I have seen a ton of, and this is both in kind of the private forums where the the obesity medicine doctors talk, and some of the folks who have you know larger platforms talking about it. You know, Dr. Peter Addy is one of them. Um, is that there is a dramatic difference in the percent of weight loss that is muscle in folks who are not incredibly intentional and successful, you know, intentions don't matter a whole lot, about actually making a high percentage of their, their, um, their meals proteins. And the, one of the kind of ballpark numbers is, is a lot of folks are talking, you know, in the, at least 90 or 100 grams a day. Right, like like massive massive percentages of your calories have to be protein and weight resistance, and I think you know it's funny when we you and I probably giggle when we hear this, but some folks don't think about that. You know, uh, particularly women who who honestly are one of the higher um, adopters of these types of medicines um, often want to resist the notion of like weight resistance exercises, and uh, often one of the vibes is like, oh, I don't want to get too big. Well, I'm like, well, no one gets big by accident muscularly. That's just not literally a thing. Yeah. It's not like you just think about how much effort bodybuilders put into trying to build an extra five pounds of muscle, right? It's not an accidental process. Yeah. So, so, so no, no woman's going to do five push-ups and, and accidentally wake up looking like Ronnie Coleman. That's just yeah. not a thing. Well, and I'll Particularly say. Particularly if you're in yeah, the middle of weight loss. And listeners, you know, just to, uh, to do her credit, because I'm, I'm such a big fan, uh, you know, it, ladies, if you're listening and that's you and like somebody sold you that line of garbage, like go back in the podcast a few weeks, find the episode with Steph Gaudreau, listen to that episode with Steph because she's done such a great job of debunking that and does such a great job of putting out quality information for women in particular, for middle-aged women in particular on the importance of strength training, all of the many, many benefits that you will see in your life from it, how to enact it. And so, you know, uh, use that episode as a primer, but go check out, uh, you know, her content under Fuel Your Fitness. I mean, she's like well over, I can't even remember, 4 million downloads and 400 episodes on her podcast. Her social media is fantastic and does a great job of counteracting um, that garbage. Yep. It's been such a trope for women for so long. Um, yeah, and it, it's completely, completely medically dangerous for women to just completely avoid all resistance exercises. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know where that came from. You you absolutely cannot accidentally come out looking like, you know, China, the WWE wrestler. That's just not going to be a thing. Yeah. You physically can't and, do it. It's not going to be an a, accidental thing. As a matter of fact, regardless of age or gender, if you can only pick one thing, if you can only choose for whatever reason in this hypothetical to do strength training or what we would call cardio. I have my own thoughts on whether or not cardio even exists. 
um, because all your heart recognizes is work. It doesn't go, oh, you're on a treadmill? I'm up now. Um, but uh, so your heart is also working to support your musculature when you're strength training. Strength training is going to have the most be benefit and impact on your overall health and longevity mm -hmm. between the two, 100%, without fail. Particularly, I'm a big, if, big fan of it. Yeah, particularly if you strength train uh, uh, um, sufficiently um, intensely so as to raise your heart impact. There's, there's good science indicating that when you're strength training, if you're working hard enough, if you're not doing the whole, okay, I did one set, now I'm going to recover for five to ten minutes, now I'll do my second set. If you, if you work sufficiently intensely and keep your heart rate elevated, Throughout a workout of reasonable length, there's actually data that shows that you will get as much, if not more, benefit cardiovascularly than if you had gone and done that same amount of time at a moderate pace on the treadmill or the elliptical or the bike or whatever. So there's cardiovascular, cardiovascular benefit there even in the strength training if it's done properly and with enough intensity. Uh, it, it's just so important. Yep. I forget which bodybuilder I was watching once talk, and um, they asked him like, "Oh, you, this this is your you know your split for your lifting. What do you do for cardio?" And he goes, "Lift faster." <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, you know I've talked about it on here before, and and I trained with a, a great guy in this space, uh, Drew Bay, and Drew's easy to find, B A Y E, Drew Bay, um, Doug McGuff, and uh, the book Body by Science are, are uh, a couple other great resources in this space with the idea of high intensity. I like McGuff stuff. Yeah, uh, he's fantastic. I'm a big Doug. I'd love to get Doug if you're listening. Open open door, man. I'd love to have you on the podcast. And he's an OG BMXer. That's what got him into training, like me. So I'd I'd uh, I'd love to have him on. Uh, but it's this concept of of high intensity training, and I'm not going to go way into it right now. But there's a massive name in bodybuilding that worked out with HIT protocols. His name's Mike Menser. Um, and Drew's mm -hmm. actually got rights to some of Mike's stuff, and that might be who you're talking about, but that's, you know, he, he employed that concept of high-intensity training. It's very, very different. You know, if all of your exposure to training is, uh, you know, like P90X or what your football coach taught you or what the, the weight coach at your high school taught you, um, this would be very, very foreign, very, very different style of strength training, um, but tons of data behind it to show that not only is it um, just as effective, if not more so, uh, than what you would typically mm -hmm. be doing, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, split workouts and, you know, pyramids and, you know, just all this garbage, but done properly, it's much more efficient and much safer than other forms of strength training because the emphasis is yep. on maintaining form and then just the type of workout that it is where you're working out to, to failure is just very time efficient. You achieve as much in 15 mm -hmm. or 20 minutes as what you would typically do in the gym in, you know, say an hour, hour and a half. Because you're being so intentional, you're, you're not taking those breaks. You're keeping your heart rate elevated intentionally. So when you work out the time under load and how much time your muscles are actually under load in, say, like a 15 or 20-minute HIT training session, it's the same or greater than if you're doing the typical pace of like a three-set workout or, or a drop-set workout under, you know, uh, traditional modalities. It's, it's really interesting stuff. It, yep. It's worth, if you're interested, I would say a great gateway drug to HIT is the book Body by Science by Doug McGuff. Not to be confused yeah, with the I Crime Dog. Yeah, book actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Crime Dog, also good. Yeah. If you could get him on the podcast. Dude, I'd love to have be a win. McGruff on the podcast. 
We used to know how to do things. We used great. to know how to motivate people. Or Smokey the, the Bear. Yeah. I mean, dude. <laughs> well, hey, I mean. All my childhood heroes. Uh, Smokey's a little, little tied up right now. Well, I was going to use that as a pivot to Maui because I do want to talk about these fires. But uh, before I move away from this, just because it might do some people some good, because weight loss is such an issue um, in our society right now. It is such a struggle for people, and uh, these drugs are so out there. Is it, it what I'm putting together in my head is what I feel like might be a legit and successful application of these medications would be because so much of what's difficult with weight loss is just the momentum, right? Like you want to see yeah. the numbers move, um, mm-hmm. is using it to jumpstart somebody, using it in combination with, okay, listen, we're, you're going to take this, um, but also this is the training plan, and these are the changes we're going to make to diet. And it seems to me like if you mm-hmm. dialed in diet, if you were eating, uh, you know, whether you want to call it primal, whole 30, keto, low carb, whatever, if you, if you dial in a, whole, a, a lower carb, whole food diet, and you're, you're on that path, that if you've if you've got that dialed in and you don't deviate from that, I can't imagine you would gain the weight back if you stuck to that when you came off these meds. And if someone actually did all the things, the weights, the stuff would still work. I I still say that the the real base effect of these meds is making the changes more tolerable, because you do have to change something to lose weight, right? Um, it just may not be as hard to think about it. Some of those like unintentional snacks may not happen, stuff like that. I think that the trick is a lot of folks don't really double down on like, let me get down to understanding why I had those cravings I do. Let's talk about the, the habits I have. Like if I'm known for I always hit the gas station and I walk in and I, and I leave with, you know, two, two or three, you know, really sugary breakfast bars or I get that kolache in the morning or whatever it is. You know, whatever your habits are, if you're not really dialing into like, let me figure out why I behaved the way I did and what do I need to do different? And then, like you said, the momentum of the medicine to help you like see like, oh, my gosh, I enjoy living at 220 pounds every day so much better than I enjoyed living at 280 pounds. Right. You know, I think getting people there is hard. Statistically, though, they tend to gain it back. I think part of the problem is that the medical system isn't really set up to give people that constant multiple touches of support and double checking in. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that I don't take Medicare in my in my obesity practice is um, they limit the number of things, the uh, visits you get, and if you if you don't make certain progress, they cut you off, and you're done getting visits for it. Um, there are obesity. There's whole you know continuing education classes on how to document your obesity medicine visits and make sure you don't mention that that's the primary purpose and you talk about all the other medical things that come with it because a lot of the insurance just literally won't pay for an obesity visit as a primary visit. Um, so the system is just jacked. Yeah. And then the, the other end of that is someone who will sell you a script for 50, some weird app that will sell you a script for 20 bucks, uh, but not give you any of the appropriate medical screening or education to make sure you understand what you're putting in your body. Now, listen. Go team. I know, I, I know you, you would prefer 
not to talk politics on the podcast with me. And it drives me nuts. Sure. It hacks me off. Listeners, you're you're being shortchanged on the best content available in a conversation between Scott and I. <laughs> Just so you know, you're not getting our best. Um, but but I feel like I've found a way to weasel my way in sideways. Um, because I'm just looking for a professional medical opinion, uh, in that, um, I mean, could, I mean, could Chris Christie, like he could benefit from these drugs, right? Like Chris Christie should definitely be, should definitely be on one of these. I think anyone with a medical diagnosis (laughs) of obesity meets the FDA qualifications. Well, listen, I've not personally weighed Mr. Christie. If governor Christie doesn't meet the medical qualifications no one does no one does i'm not gonna be judgmental i've I, i've met the qualifications a couple days in my life if I, I, knew, I definitely have if i knew nothing else at all about uh chris christie i would not give him a hard time about his weight but uh, i feel like the dude deserves a little smoke coming his way so uh scott won't comment i stand by that statement and uh, I blew past a great pivot to Maui earlier as a service to you, the listener. I served you a softball you with did. that one. It was fant- I really did. It was fantastic. Smokey the Bear would have been perfect. But I, I, I'm looking to serve you, the <laughs> you listeners, and, uh, and make sure that, uh, you, know, you know, hey, hey, I want to see you guys healthier. I want to see you live longer. But, uh, dude, what a freaking mess in Maui, right? I mean, gosh, man. That is crazy. Looking at um, shots of people just standing waist deep in the ocean with like uh, T-shirts over their face trying to block out some of the some of the smoke so that they can breathe a little bit. Um, Just watching literal flames on the beach. Just crazy to me. And then, uh, you know, one of the things you had mentioned in the kind of like the prep page was like the weird conspiracy theories coming up, whatever. Um, The one that I keep seeing is that somehow Oprah did it all, (laughs) Um, which I want to be super clear. Oprah, don't come for me. I don't believe that. I'm just saying it's a it's a meme that keeps popping up. Well, here's here's what's annoying. I think sometimes just nature's a jerk. Right. It just happens. Sometimes nature is they're not. Nature is not a respecter of persons, man. Sometimes it gets you. So, uh, you know, I, I've been talking here on the podcast about making a, a, a bigger push on, on X, formerly Twitter, and have been. And one of the posts uh, that I, I had blow up for the podcast was I, I shared just this uh, almost unbelievable video uh, I, I came across of the fires in, I'm not sure how to say the name of that city that really got devastated. I think it's Lahaina. Um, and I mean, it just looked like hell on earth. Just, I mean, it just looked unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the scope of it and, uh, look crazy. And, and that, that post took off funny story. I actually had somebody from, um, like one of the news magazine shows. I, I, I ought to pull that up. Like I had somebody comment on there like, Hey, we'd love oh, per- the, the, can we put your comment online? Yeah. It, it was, uh, you know, it, like inside edition or something. I don't know if that's still around, but it was something like that. It's like, Hey, I'm we- shocked that they ask. They said, Hey, I would have thought. Yeah. That they would just do it without your permission. Yeah, they said, hey, we'd, we'd love to have permission to, to cite your post in our work. Just be aware it's not revocable, it's whatever. 
Uh, and at first I, I replied, I'm like, can you tell me the context it's going to be used in? And of course they didn't reply to that. And then I said, you know what? Never mind. I'm like, it's not my video anyways. This is who, who originally shared it, which they were cited in my post anyways. I'm like, you should go ask them. And even them, that chick's like, it's not my video. It was somebody else's, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah. and, and it's funny because the like promotional podcaster in me, like I wanted to jump all over that. Right. Like, of course I wanted that exposure and I just, so distrust any media like that on any level. I'm like, I have no yep. confidence that their angle isn't going to be like, uh, you know, people trying to capitalize on the tragedy for clicks or something like that, which it's oh yeah, literally my this post, evil podcast yeah. trying to get some listens. Yeah, which, you know, my thing was like, what I've been trying to do with the posts is just same thing I do here, right? inform and entertain, right? If it, if it's funny or it's informative, I'll go with it. And it was, I, I'd never seen footage from a fire like that. I literally posted it. Like the post, like, can't believe it praying for these families and first responders. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I know the, you know, the left tends to not be a, a fan of uh, me offering or anyone offering thoughts and prayers. Uh, but, uh, I like to think they work. Um, so anyway, so I, so I passed on that, but so I saw that blown up, but I mean, just to see that, and that was really in it. Like that's when it was going down. Uh, and just to yeah. see the aftermath, like there, the latest reports I've seen is there's still like a thousand people unaccounted for that. Yeah. It's, it's really, really crazy. And I, you know, you, I guess you just don't think about it, but like if the, the immediate area you're in tries to kill you in Hawaii, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Right? There's nowhere to go. Like if, if, if a hurricane tries to run over that area and, or a tsunami tries to run over that area or a wildfire tries to run over that area, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Some of those islands are like two miles across. There, there's nowhere to go. Well, and this, this was... And, uh, and nature is yeah. bigger than us. I, I sidetracked myself there a little bit, but this is uh, why I was bringing up that video. So because I had, I mean... I say it went big. It wasn't like viral, viral. But for me, I mean, that thing, that that post has got at like, I don't know, 150,000 views or something like that. And so, it, you know, it, it got a lot of comments and different things like that. And there were people like, oh, look at the, look at this time in the video. Like, what's this flash of light? And then there's this big explosion. There was a comment, like, like several comments like that. And it's, their point is like the, one of the big conspiracy theories around this is that it's directed energy weapons from space or planes, like lasers starting these fires. And you look at it and it's so clearly reflections in the glass of the car they're driving in, at least the video that I shared. Mm -hmm. It's infuriating. I'm like this, there's actual tragedy and emergency and urgency here. And like, I just can't believe you're not being willing, like, intentionally obtuse to be like, oh, what was that flat? Have you never looked through glass? Is this the first time you've seen glass in your life? Is at this moment in this video, have you never seen a, ref are you a vampire? You've been avoiding reflections. And yeah, then I yeah, saw man. people, I, of course, you know, we like to cover space and rockets on here, uh, plenty and all that good stuff. And one thing that's really cool about, uh, the like space launch photography industry. There's these incredible, incredible photographers. Uh, one of my favorites, this kid, he's actually based out of central Florida, John Krause. His stuff is just amazing. Right. But if you do a long exposure shot of a rocket launch, you end up with mm -hmm. something that looks like a freaking lightsaber. You end up with like a solid, it looks like a beam of fire 
rising up into the air, right? Um, awesome. And these these shots, they're not simple to get, but they're not impossible. Yes, I know, impossible is grammatically correct, but it's more fun to say than impossible. Um, but uh, so it can be done, and it is done regularly, particularly with with night launches. Uh, but the rockets are bright enough; you can do it during the day. So then people are circulating shots of a Falcon Nine launch out of Vandenberg in California. It's a daytime launch, but it's one of these long exposure shots. So the rocket's no mm-hmm. longer in the shot. You just see this solid beam of light from the engines from this long exposure. And of course, there's a dust plume down at the bottom from the actual ignition, like the start of the launch. And people are passing this around like this is footage and proof of a direct energy weapon being used to start the fires in Hawaii. And I'm like, this... Yeah, the only answer is the Death Star. It it can't possibly be that um, some foliage caught on fire... And it's hot over there and dry and stuff happens. Yeah, I don't... That's, that's not possible. I don't think it's completely settled at this point, but it's pretty widely reported at this point. Like, what's most likely at this point, they were getting these crazy high winds from this hurricane that was still like 800 miles away, but they're getting like 80 mile an hour wind gusts and they were under completely dry conditions to begin with. And that it knocked mm-hmm. out power lines. It knocked down power lines, and that started the fires. No, nope, couldn't be that. If, if you have eighty mile an hour winds, um, you got plenty of wind to blow embers and feed. You know, feed the oxygen need of fires. Um, yeah, it's well, a mess. and that's what's crazy. I and mean, as I understand it, a lot of those areas are pretty, pretty dense in terms of like foliage to to property. Like not a whole lot of just open fields, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like here, I've got 20 acres, right? Um, but like the immediate 10 around my house is is a lawn, right? Like it's it's a lawn. It's four inches of grass. Um, and then, you know, there's hay in the back and some trees and stuff like that. But a forest fire doesn't probably get me, right? Because yeah. I've got space. Um I don't think they have that there. Is my understanding like, and you need a lot of space for eighty mile an hour winds. Yeah, eighty, eight zero. Well, and that's the thing. Like, in addition to spreading, like, uh, yeah, spreading embers, but evidently this fire was just moving at a breakneck pace. Where it's like you'd see it on a ridge line, or you'd see it in the distance and feel like you're okay, and you blink and yeah. it's on you. And then five minutes later, it's like there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and fire moving at 50 miles an hour is not fair. It's cheating. You know what it is? It's the 28 days later zombies. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, we all think we're okay with... I can survive walking dead zombies for a while. 28 days later zombies, I just shoot myself. I'm done. Yeah. They're not going to get me. Yeah, if the zombies are fast, (laughs) it's a a real problem. It's not uh, fair. And... Like there, there's just, it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback things, right? So I, I, I try to be fair in my assessment of these things, right? Like I try to apply, um, you know, almost a legal standard of not, not what's a reasonable expectation now, what's a reasonable expectation with the knowledge that people had at the time. But yeah, Hawaii has one of... Um, the most robust early warning systems for natural disasters in the world, if not the most, because they're so susceptible to so many things. 
Um, I think hurricanes yeah. are actually cyclones over there in the Pacific, uh, but cyclones yeah, typhoon, and volcanoes, I mean, they're, they're all, it's not that they have volcanoes, they are volcanoes. Everybody there lives on a volcano. Yep. Um, you know, so there's just all tsunamis, all this potential for issues, and that it wasn't activated. It's just hard for that not to seem like such a clear miss at this point. And, uh, you know, already... Do they have some policy that they don't activate it for fires? Uh, like no, it only like, activates uh, for certain things? Fires are supposed to be one of the intended uses. So I, I don't have all the facts on this yet. It's very surface level. I, I do... It's weird. The, the guy who was responsible for this, don't know his name. Evidently, his background wasn't in emergency management to begin with. Uh, make of that what you will. Uh, but he has, al- he has since resigned. Um, he you know, gave something like health or family issues or whatever else. But, um, you, 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 he's got to live. Sounds with a lot it. like I got told to go away. He's got to live yeah. with that. So, um, I mean, that's, that's a tough spot to be in. I just don't know what the hesitation would have been. Then there's this really weird reporting out of this. Uh, I don't think regardless of whether or not you messed it up or not in reality, if you're the guy who's the head of the, or guy or lady, whatever, if you're the person who's in charge of the, you know, natural disaster agency in Hawaii, you can't live there anymore. Yeah. Right. Like if you lived on Maui, you got to move. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying like anyone should do anything, but it's just like, yeah, I don't think you can go to the gas station and just like be normal anymore. No. Right. Uh, you got to move well, now. And then there there's, and I, I, I again, I want to see more because right now we're, we're the fog of war with this thing right now. Right. Like people are still trying to find bodies. Um, so we'll, we'll learn more, but there's reporting about, and again, I don't know exactly what this guy's role in the government is, but, um, there was evidently a request to divert water from a waterway to the affected area by the fire agencies. And the decision to do that was delayed by a significant period of time, 30 minutes, an hour, something like that. And the problem is that there's like interviews, there's video, there's documentation of the guy that was responsible for this, whatever his role uh, was, talking about how what what Hawaii, I don't know if it's Hawaii, Maui, whatever. Um, I have about the same understanding of Hawaii as I do of Great Britain. Like I don't, the yeah. islands, what's what, nobody knows, right? Um, and unless you're over there, um, and uh, but this guy's like talking about how. They need to get to a more traditionalist, like Hawaiian view of water being this thing that needs to be revered, not just this resource to be used. And I'm like, it's it was like kind of weird, hippy dippy stuff to begin with, but hey, okay, whatever. Right up until it's like, no, we're not going to divert that water to fight this fire. Then that becomes real problematic. Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, we need yeah. more information. What went into that decision? When was the request made? When was it approved? Why wasn't it approved right away? Um, you know, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. But it seems like this, well, and now the, the big thing, and this is where we'll see the, the lawsuits, this is where those will be aimed, is like evidently there were known issues um, with the infrastructure of the utilities, uh, of the power uh, infrastructure, the power grid there that needed to be upgraded oh. and had been put off for years. And again, you, you're probably not going to want to wade into this, Scott, and that's fine. 
that's fine. You don't have to. I'm not going to drag you into this. This is me talking, not Dr. Bland. All right. Go see him for your medical and obesity needs. That's fine. Dr. Bland but, is just listening to Kale talk. But, but <laughs> the, the reporting, and again, I'm willing to, to give a grain of salt here to fog of war, but what I'm seeing reporting is that not only that there were known issues with the infrastructure, known upgrades and repairs that needed to be made, but that those were put off in lieu of making like uh, of spending money on green initiatives by the utility and the power company. And if that's factual, if that's the case, I hope they sue everybody involved into the freaking ground. I hope they call John Morgan who I loathe. I hope they call John Morgan and I hope John Morgan takes everyone involved in that for every penny they have. I want their grandchildren to be indentured servants to these people. That part's a little well, hyperbolic, but if you put yeah. off known needed repairs, if you allowed deficiencies in the grid that allowed for a situation where winds could blow over power lines, could start a fire because... You're, I, I don't even know what, because you're spending money on hydroelectric or yeah. windmills or, or some garbage, some green initiative, yeah. r- rather than and making repairs. And then a thousand people die. You should, you should be poor. You should be poor. Yeah. Yeah. So my only comment there will be is that if there's even a whiff of that, there'll be, there'll be an army, there'll be a line of lawyers lining up long enough that if they had all showed up with a bucket of water, they could have put the fire out. Yeah. That, that, that yeah, there's, there's going to be, um, there's going to be a lot of lawyers willing to discuss that issue. Now, I don't, for people. what I, what I haven't seen, what I don't know, I don't know if the, if the grid, I don't know if it's public utility there or if it's a scenario, um, like Texas where it's privately operated. Hawaii is yeah. a deep, deep blue state. It's probably public. There will probably was, be... Was Florida Progress Energy still um, a it's, lot of Florida? It's a split. I think there's a lot of progress. There's a lot of Duke. Like, we're Duke where we're at. Yeah. Um, Duke's pretty big in but the for southeast. Instance, like, if Progress had done that in Florida, there, there'd be a class action brewing. Yeah. Right. If, if all of those things had been true, right? Um, if they had uh, foregone, known, cited, obvious health stuff, you know, risk of risk of life and limb... If some company had not done those, that there'd be certainly some lawyers willing to discuss it. Yeah, it's just a mess all around, man. It's a mess. Yeah, and you know, it's but then the problem is you get on the other side of these things, and then people want to hide behind hindsight is twenty twenty. But it's it's like the freaking Challenger explosion. Like yeah. you look at you, well, you, you only get to say, well, how could we know if you didn't actually know? Yeah, <laughs> and if you did actually factually, not figuratively, literally no, you don't get to say, how could we know? Yeah. Because you did. You knew. So, and I mean, it, it hit a little so close to home. It hit a little close to home. My, my, my wife's got a, a friend from high school that, uh, uh, oddly enough, is actually an MD herself and her and her husband and their uh, kids, all of whom are young, they, they live on Maui. And uh, they live a pretty idyllic uh, life out there, as uh, the pictures would indicate. And uh, this thing took out so much of the infrastructure there. Like, you couldn't get a hold of people. Uh, you know, cell towers were down. Power was down. The whole shebang. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was more than a day. Uh, it might have been more than two days. 
before she popped back up on social media. And it turns out they they actually weren't even on the island. Uh, they were actually they were oh. just on some uh, vacation where they were off grid. Um, but you know we were kind of holding our breath, uh, you know, here at the uh, Solid Seven Studio, you know, waiting to hear from from her and her family. <clears throat> so just imagine yeah. being on a cruise, and you know you hit two days at sea where you don't have internet, and you turn on some internet when you land, to, you know, so to shore and some some other you're in Jamaica or something. And people go, hey, man, did you guys hear about that Hawaii thing? You're like, oh, that's weird. Let me, let me look at the Hawaii thing. And you turn on your internet and you look and you realize your island is half burned down, right? Like, like the people you live next to could be gone. Yeah. And you're like on a cruise and you didn't know. Yeah. It's, it's that's insane. a weird thing. And, and, then, and then, of course, then you feel somewhat obligated to tell all 7 million people you've ever met that you're okay because they're all freaking out. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Now you know that you got to look. You know, it's the it's the Mister Rogers spiel, right? Look for the helpers, find the silver linings. You know, uh, mm-hmm. on the bright side, uh, you know, our our federal government's going to provide seven hundred dollars, like a whole like so that's seven with two zeros behind it, um, to every family who was affected by this, who lost their home. Um, you know, now, now it's not. Are you, are you being sarcastic? I, I honestly have not seen the news. Is that actually a thing? Oh, that that's a thing. Now, is that even remotely as much as they're getting per household from the U.S. government in Ukraine right now? No, no, it's a drop in the bucket. Um, would Hawaii be doing better? Would they get more support had had Russia attacked them and invaded? Yes, one hundred percent, yes. But I mean, listen, you can do a lot. You can do a lot with that seven hundred dollars. I mean, right now that's that's almost two full grocery trips. So so they've got that going for them. They've got that support. You have so you have no no quarter for them. Dude, thank oh thank God. God, thank God, right? That Americans. It would be, it's such a weird thing to be like, hey, by the way, I gave you seven hundred dollars. Um, it, it on a public relations level. You know, obviously, any family is better with $700 than not with $700. So, like, okay, fair. But from a public relations standpoint, it's probably better just to do nothing. Right? <laughs> it's, right? Uh, it's probably better to just shut up and be like, man, that, that sucks, guys. Sorry. Yeah, it's probably not worse. Like, yeah, just do the regular process of, hey, FEMA's on the ground, military's on the ground, you know, all we're the doing normal our, channels We're doing our thing. Age, They're whatever. on the way. But, I mean— Luckily, Oof. Americans, like as a people, are so giving. Like the vast majority of charitable support um, worldwide comes out of the American populace, not our government, the American people. So it's like, oh, yeah. despite all of our other struggles, despite all of our other challenges, despite how much of our money is already going to the federal government, when something like this happens anywhere in the world, but particularly mm-hmm. here, we still dig deep. And, and we still give. So there's going to be plenty of support there. I'd say be cautious who you give to. Not all of these aid organizations are created equally. Not all of them are as um, administratively lean as they ought to be. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our go-to here for this stuff at the Solid 7 Podcast is always Convoy of Hope. If you're not familiar, look them yeah, up. Yeah, I was going to say I'm a big Convoy of Hope fan. I'm not sure if they're particularly... Uh, active over there yet or not, but I am sure that if any private organization is allowed to be convoy, will be on the short list. 
Um, yeah. I have personally volunteered with a couple of their events and they're, they're pretty good people the, from what the, I have understood. The beauty of Convoy isn't just how much of your, what percentage of your money actually goes uh, to aid. Um, but it's that not they're they're often one of, if not the first aid organizations into a tragedy, but they are almost always the last one out. It is not at all uncommon for everyone else to have thrown up the deuces and convoy to still be in an area helping for a significant portion of time later. Big, big, big fans of their work. And if you're looking for a way um, to help and support aid in Maui, that would be a, a fantastic uh, way and place to do it. But it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, you know, on one hand, am I annoyed with the insult of, I, I don't know that the $700 would be so obnoxious if it weren't for the hundreds of billions of dollars going to Ukraine literally at the same time in the same breath, maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. But I know this, I know we, we can't and should not be relying on the federal government to take care of our neighbor and to take care of our brother and sister. Like not everybody has a lot they can give, uh, you know, but like our, our friends from the, the give team here in Orlando say like everybody has something to give. Like you might not have money. You might not have, maybe you can give food. Maybe you can give time. Maybe you can give prayers. Maybe you can give money. Um, we've all got something to give and, uh, you know, if we're waiting on the, the government to rescue us, we're, we're all screwed anyways. Right. So just seeing Americans step up, I know, um, you know, I don't know if listeners will be familiar with the commentator, uh, Will Kane. He does, you know, he's done some politics stuff. He's done some, um, some, uh, a lot of sports coverage, uh, but Will's got a, a direct connection to the Island there on Maui. I think he, he has a home there or grew up there, or has lived there. He's been on the ground doing great reporting and work. They've had a lot of reporting locked down. Um, and not, mm. not a lot of freedom of the press going on uh, there right now. Really? Yeah. Are they just not wanting to let I mean, people land like, on the island is the theory? Uh, I, I'm sure there are lines about, you know, this is active rescues and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, there was like a 12-mile radius around, like, Lahaina where you, you couldn't get in with your crews and, and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, I, like, oh. I would not want them to be hampering any rescue uh, efforts. I do also want to know what's going on. And yeah. at, and at some point, um, you know, the fires will have cooled and the memorials will have been held. And then I want to know who let this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you, if you need to tell me there's, it was a perfect storm of just bad nature and nature's bigger than us. And there's nothing we ever, nothing that possibly could have been done. Uh, okay, explain it though. Explain to me how nothing that we could have been done. I forget the the legal terminology. There's a there's a guy named Nate the lawyer who, who used it the other day. Um, he does he did pretty good uh, breakdown of uh, some of the uh, the U.S. soccer stuff. But um, it was it's ipso something I think. But it was like but um, if but for yeah. th that was the concept. Meaning like okay sure there may have been other things. But if you had not done this, if but for you doing this, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, like, if if you were a necessary part of the chain, you don't have to be the only thing in the chain to to be um, liable. But if if you were a necessary part of the chain and you did it, and it, and the bad thing happened, then there's some culpability there. Um, and I think that there there may end up being some if but for uh, type concepts here going on here. Yeah. So. Bum deal. Hate to uh, hate to see it happen. 
and uh, for real, paying for the praying for those families. We'll throw up a, a convoy of hope link uh, on our website as we as we have before, and unfortunately, yeah. we'll probably. I mean, this is the way things go, and it happens. But uh, you know, fires happen too. But it's you know, there's things we can do. There, it's just the law of unintended consequences, right? And it's. Uh, you know, a lot of times these these fires, you know, uh, that rage out of control on the West Coast could often be done, uh, could be mitigated if we did more uh, management of those lands. But, you know, where you can't do that, it's, you got to let it grow natural and whatever. Well, what's natural is that every so often lightning starts a fire and this crap burns to the ground. That's natural, natural. Like if we weren't here and the bison were still roaming free, uh, you know, and T-Rex yep. was uh, running the ship. There'd be massive Every now and then, fires. three states would burn to the ground with <laughs> yes. a fire. Yes, it, that, yeah, that that's kind of kind of the deal. Yeah, so uh, it, you know, sucks, but uh, yeah, you know, you do what you can. But I, I, some questions need to be answered for sure. There, there's more to this than just a uh, act of act of God. So, boy, it's a lot of mess. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, they. Uh, didn't sound the warning sirens there in Maui, uh, but you were telling me earlier today you're trying to figure out how to sign uh, sound the uh, the warning sirens there. At uh, I was going to try and come up with a ranch name on the fly, and I it yeah, just it just didn't I, come to I, me. I, it, I don't it, have anything yet. It can't just be the bland ranch. Uh, it, it's just I mean no, that joke I thought makes about, itself. I thought about I thought about bland land. <laughs> But um, you know, just work the alliteration there. But um, yeah, nah, I don't know. So. But either way, so the the issue that uh, you were trying to talk me through earlier was this house was built with coax cable to a bunch of the rooms and no Ethernet. It's so big because uh, it's an embarrassingly large house. Um, it's so big that that most normal like one Scott, Wi-Fi router doesn't reach the whole it house. Was, it was such a humble brag. That's like it was so big because I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm broke now. Now I'm house poor. Yeah, that, now I'm house that. poor. Uh, but it's no, it is it is bigger and fancier than I would have built, but it was on the land that I want. So. Um, the the issue is that I couldn't get internet everywhere, and so I bought some Eero. Is that yeah. Eero? Is yeah. the the mesh networks? I yeah. bought an Eero system, and then I started thinking about like, well, how do I do? I you know I've been a fan of Simply Safe for quite some time. They do not pay me. That's not a you know sponsored endorsement, but they've got some pretty decent products. And I was thinking about like, well, how do I wire that stuff in? Um, and I just don't know if that's going to be the thing because they do have an annoying feature where their one base station has to reach the entire house. And if it doesn't reach all the spaces, you all of a sudden just don't have the capacity for, for, to put a device in that part of the house, which is super annoying. Yeah. And dang it, Simply Safe, you're better than that. But nonetheless, it's a thing. Um, and I was trying to find a way to get some speakers lined up to it. And I was talking to Kayla about these Sonos speakers, which apparently are pretty highly rated, yeah. uh, to see if I could get the doorbell chime to ring to them. And he was saying, just get more keypads and put those around the house to kind of amplify the sound. I thought that might make reasonable sense too. So he said he would explain to me more. He also uses someone else for cameras now. I yeah, think. no, I mean, there's a lot going on there. I, I've been a, a fan of Simply Safe for a long time too. Um, I, I, we had their gen one system at, at our old house. Um, and actually it just recently, 
uh, died. The the base station gave up the ghost for some reason, and um, they decided like the the more valuable play for them at that point was just to replace my whole system with their new gear for free than to try to deal with the the old base station. So. I wasn't going to argue with them. Actually, like, I'll give them credit here, but not more than they're due. At first, they're like, well, we can offer you 50% off on a new system. I'm like, no, I've paid you a monthly fee for, uh, like, I don't know, five, six, seven, some odd years now or something like that. You've made your money on me. Um, I'm not paying any money for a new system. Um, Replace this base station for me. And then they were like, well, you know what? I'm giving you the opportunity to continue getting X dollars a month from me forever yeah just just replace the jump so it was after that that based on my loyalty they decided that what they would do instead is just replace the whole system with the new gear um but i've never used um i i thought when when you were talking about because we were texting uh, right i thought when you were talking about the chimes i'm thinking about you know the alert beeps for like when you get home it starts to beep to give make you aware hey you need to turn the alarm off before it goes off or when you set it to go away it starts to beep so you know you have your countdown to get out of the house so i thought you were talking about that because the if you do multiple keypads they all beep during those scenarios if you add their extra sirens um those beep during those so that's what i was thinking i i wasn't thinking about in the context of the the doorbell chime, but I don't use, we haven't used their doorbell. I, I had, um, oh, I can't remember which bell, which doorbell, whichever one uh, Amazon bought out. I had that doorbell for a while and it failed. Our front door gets on. Is Amazon ring? Yeah, it was ring. It was ring. And uh, couldn't ever yeah. get it to like pull. I, I wired it in. Couldn't ever get it to quite pull power right, even with their little adapter and stuff. Uh, and that unit, my my front porch, it just, it gets beat by the Florida sun. I mean, just all freaking day. Gotcha. And uh, it just didn't hold up to it. And uh, when it came time to replace it, I had already gotten some uh, wireless cameras. Uh, and I've been a big fan of Anchor for a long time. Like Anchor just makes quality stuff. And the the company making cameras, Ufi, is actually owned by Anchor. Um, and okay. so you know, it's like. Uh, Black Friday or, you know, Prime Day or something, and there was a sale on Eufy cameras, so I snagged that. And I've been really happy with those, so I actually swapped out. They've got a really cool doorbell unit that actually has two cameras on it, so it gives you, like, you know, that waist-high shot, but also foot level, and it's got AI detection built in, so it tells you if you're getting a package, if your package has been moved, uh, you know, oh. uh, HD cameras, like, a great image, um, really good functionality. And so I, I use I saw like I know with Ring you could buy extended chimes. I think you can with Eufy too. I don't know. I don't use them. Um, just uh, it chimes my normal. And that's part of the issue is I, I want to be able to put the you know if I'm upstairs playing playing a video game in the in the corner or whatever I want to be able to hear the doorbell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I haven't and, looked into um, if if um, if Simply Safe has like I know Ring you can buy. Like just extended, you just plug it into a plug somewhere in the house, and you've extended your chime. It'll ring there, and it'll just pull off of your. Ooh, uh, now, I like that. Now that said, um, just based on some different things I've read and been told stuff lately, um, I'm becoming less and less willing to give any Amazon-related product any access to my home network at all. Um, there, there's some real shady and, and questionable. 
um, just data gathering going on there, even when you turn a, a lot of things off and try and deny access. And I, I think I'm just kind of, I only have one Amazon smart product, two Amazon part smart products left in the house, but evidently that's that's more than enough to, to probably tell them more than you would want them to know. Um, and the Amazon smart is the Alexa? Yeah. Yeah, it's Alexa. And do you need an account, an Alexa account for that to be doing something or does it just all already have access? So if you want to use the service, you, you probably need to have an account set up. But I don't know that you not having an account set up would preclude an, an Alexa-enabled device from, from just collecting information about your, your network and stuff like that. Um, gotcha. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I assume you've checked Simply Safe site. I don't know if they have an extender for. They don't. And what's dumb to me is I'm surprised at this point because their new equipment. And there's a bunch of their forums that where their people are asking about that specific thing. Yeah. And nothing. Even to the point of like, hey, is there some way to just link this to some other smart speaker like Sonos where I can use their speakers yeah. to announce when someone's at the door or something? No, it's just not a thing. Yeah, um, I would just. It uh, has is some. It, is it hard- safe has some linking capacity to like? Uh, go ahead. Is it hardwired in where it will at least ring the proper doorbell chime in your house, like just the OG chime? Um, the doorbell is actually dysfunctional right now, which is one of the reasons I want to. Gotcha. Use the electric chime. So, like my Eufy right now, if somebody yeah. presses the button on my Eufy, it does its little chimes out on the unit on the camera. It rings mm-hmm. my actual doorbell chime. It will, if I yeah. tell it to, if I set it to, it will play a chime from the Eufy base station in the house, and then it also alerts on the phone. And of course, you can set those notifications however you want them. So is Eufy cameras only or do they also have like the motion sensors and the, you know, the door opener sensors and all that sort of stuff too? I don't too, think or? they've branched out into security and stuff. But my question would be, why do you give a crap if your doorbell is connected to your security system? Like just, don't. just skip their doorbell and go with something that will do what you want it to do. Just let Simply Safe do the the actual alarming type yeah. stuff of doors are opening yeah. and locked because that their functionality for that is actually pretty good. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, cause, because the ground floor, the doors are all actually pretty close to each other. That yeah. actually probably would work just fine. I am surprised they ha- like, like, that they haven't done, uh, any kind of network extender, at least that I've noticed to give they you don't better, have any, yeah. they, they, they actively do not. I've looked, it's super annoying. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because you would think like there should be some way where if you're on the same Wi-Fi network, you could anything that can touch the Wi-Fi network. Like now that mesh is becoming such a big thing, yeah, you would think that they could link through that somehow. No, yeah, yeah, Not no. Really. I'd, I'd just ditch their doorbell, and uh, like I said, I'd I'd stay away from Ring for my my own reasons at this point. I wasn't impressed with how the hardware functioned and held up to begin with. And I, I'm getting sketched out by uh, Amazon's data collection. Uh, like, not just, you know, I'm not saying I'm giving up Prime and I'm not going to order but my you packages. you find Ufi to be less of a technological evil overlord? Yeah, they do a good job with the encryption, encryption of their stuff. There's mo- no, you can do some add-ons that you have to pay for monthly, uh, but you certainly don't have mm-hmm. to. And I can still access a backlog of my my videos from my cameras. And uh, I actually just, just and snagged. You- 
Uh, I you can get pretty good battery life on them depending on how you set them up. I of course am obnoxious and I don't set them to optimize battery life. And so I'm like regularly, you know, hanging one of my portable batteries next to them to charge them. So I actually just snagged because my my driveway camera gets the most action and so I'm like constantly having to it, it's not constant. I mean, I get a decent run out of the batteries for how I have them set. Um, Would you but, say once a month or something? Oh, not even. No, it's I, I get a better run than that on them. Um, okay. And then, you know, my driveway one's going off all the time for various reasons. But I actually and just How snagged. close do those have to be to your base station to work? Uh, I don't know. I mean, our house is, I mean, you've been here. Our house is decent sized. And yeah. I mean, I've got one uh, out back, like I've got one on one of our trees out back just overlooking uh, the construction site for the tiny house we've been building for my mom. I've got one on the front door. I've got one over on the edge of the driveway. I've got one in the okay. backyard. And then I have some strategically placed that I'll never tell you people about. Um, so, you know, but I, first rule of Eufy club. Yeah. Don't talk about Eufy club. Now I've got a phenomenal Wi-Fi system here. Like I, I can't remember the exact name. It's uh, um, like an Orbi mesh Wi-Fi six system that I spent a fair amount of money on. And so my, my Wi-Fi yeah, coverage Orby was one of the two that I was looking at. And just someone told me the era was easier to set up. And I know yes. that I am a technological dummy. Yeah. You probably want to be um, a little bit more technologically adept for the Orby, but it is a banging system. And I mean, basically my entire property just about like, I, I can pull Wi-Fi signal outside. Like I can go to the back corner of my backyard and pull off my Wi-Fi. That's good. Um, are you planning on just letting that be the Wi-Fi for the the tiny house? Or are you going to run a hard? I think out there? so. I've I've got to talk to you know. It's funny. Um, we've got a kind of a fun uh, lineup of guests coming on the podcast here uh, in the weeks following you. And one of them, I think he's going to be three weeks out after this, is actually our GC on that project. Um, he's okay, he's just cool. a, a really cool guy, and he's into some cool stuff. Um, kind of tangentially to the the building and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I I haven't ever really talked with him. Like, what's the plan, if any, to uh, run like cable and stuff out there? But yeah, I might have to just uh, buy one more extension, add one more satellite onto my my Orbi system to just to make sure that the tiny house is sufficiently oh, like covered just drop, with drop with another Wi-Fi. Wesh, uh, mesh uh, yeah. thing out there. Yeah. I could just add another satellite on and I, I think it, it'd probably cover it just fine. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck now trying to figure out. So we've got a, I don't know, it's probably 50 yards across the, the property. Um, we've got a, you know, the utility shed thing has a little bit of a in-law suite there. And I've been trying to figure out how do I do internet 50 yards away from my house? And I don't want to buy a whole separate internet plan to go in a utility shed that someone might stay in two weeks a year. How's your, how's your (laughs) cell, how's your cell coverage on the property? The cell coverage is very good. So So you could look at what I want to say is just tell people, Hey man, Go ahead. Well, like uh, T-Mobile does their whole like 5G home internet thing now. You can just look into that. Well, I have the business version of that for my house. That's okay. what I have. So, so like, and there's a T-Mobile tower across the street from me. From me. Okay. So, okay. That I mean, makes I, more sense. Yeah. I think it it varies. You know, time of day, bad luck, weather, whatever. Anywhere. I think I've seen it come in anywhere from about 180 to like 480. Yeah. Um. You know, over the that the base station of it, 
And then depending on where you're at in the house, it it's still usually over a hundred. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I, you know, on the, the mesh Wi-Fi network, I, I play call of duty and it's fine. Now yeah. it's, it has struggled a couple moments here when we were doing this. Yeah, but I was going to say like playing. listeners uh, through the magic of Arthur Pippock, you won't be able to tell. Uh, but I've, I've th- completely lost you twice. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. let you keep talking, and I just stayed quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is the way that played out is I was actually sitting here having stopped talking for a long period of time, watching you sit there and uh. waiting for my audio to come through. Now, rather that was, uh, you know, on your end or mine, I'm typically pulling like, uh, I'm on Spectrum here, and I'm usually pulling like, 300 ish megabytes down and 10 ish yeah. up. Um, and you know, the 10 up is what really gets I don't have any idea what my yeah. up is. The, the yeah. 10 up is what normally gets you in scenarios like this where, uh, you know, we're using Squadcast for the first time tonight. I've been pretty happy with it so far. Um, we'll see uh, what I get out of it on the backside, but this is. You know, regular listeners will know uh, how hard I fought to make Riverside work for so long and uh, just couldn't get it working. And they didn't seem particularly interested in solving my my problems with it. And uh, I, there was in the podcast world, it was big news this week, uh, you know, a service called Descript, um, which didn't have any re- like recording element for podcasting, but there's editing and video and, and all kinds of stuff that Descript does well. Descript bought out Squadcast. I had looked at Squadcast. It was the main competitor to Riverside, the most comparable in uh, uh, feature set and, and everything else and in usability and in ratings. It was just more expensive uh, than Riverside was and uh, lacked a feature or two. Well, um, Descript bought them out and said, hey, we're rolling all of their services into ours and we're not raising our price, and you don't have to pay for that. We're just including it now. So all of a sudden, it's right there price-wise. That's a real good sales pitch. Yeah, it's right there price-wise with uh, with Riverside, now with a bigger feature set. So I'm like, heck yeah. So we're <laughs> this is our first episode on episode on Squadcast. We'll, we'll see how it goes. So as far as the call has been, other than those drops, which I can't really blame on them, uh, it's been great. We'll see. No, it's very, it's very, very likely that uh, my two kids playing Call of Duty upstairs yeah. or playing whatever game they're playing upstairs while we're doing this was the culprit. Yeah. Well, I, and I'll say like what um, what a service like this does. It's a big ask for the internet and for the device that you're on. In that, why this is advantageous? Why I'm not just on FaceTime? Uh, why this so is better? The other thing is I'm on a laptop. Yeah. Well, and right? why, so you know, what makes this better a, than Zoom a real is. Computer. Um, you know, audio for something like a podcast is always going to be best if you're recording it natively, if you're recording it where the sound is, rather than doing things to transmit that data, you know, over the internet, compressing it and just kind of weirdness that happens, right? So like we all know, you can tell the difference uh, typically in a podcast where maybe you've got one person in a, in a studio on a mic, which is norm- is the case for me when I'm reporting, recording the podcast. But if somebody's on, you know, AirPods or they're using their iPhone mic or whatever, you can tell that difference. But if you can capture that lo- that sound locally, if you can record that right there where it's happening, it's going to sound better, even if you don't change anything else, the equipment or anything else. Yeah. So what these services do is they do record it locally and then they upload it like as it's happening. 
So your your data so is being uploaded to the on. cloud right now as it's mine. So yeah, it's a, it's a big ask, uh, you know, of the internet, particularly when if you're on most consumer grade stuff, you're only probably getting like ten megabytes up. Um, so to be yeah. transmitting that in it's real annoying. time again, Elon Elon Musk, uh, this is your <laughs> opportunity to come on the Solid Seven podcast and discuss with Kale your plans to give me one gig. Um, broadcast satellite internet out here so that I have the capacity to do a better broadcast. Um, this is your chance, Elon yeah. Musk. I, I'm sure he, Elon. he'd love to be doing it. But so um, I you're big on Twitter now. He or yeah. X now. He's he's going to be paying attention to you. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, that's that's the plan. We did. Uh, you know, again, small potatoes in social media. I get, but uh, you know, I say this every time. I didn't start really pushing on X until it's probably been six. I mean, you'll know. I, I, I've been texting our little group of friends about it. Uh, maybe it's six, seven weeks now, and uh, it hadn't been doing anything with it. I was just letting it sit there, and sometimes stuff would cross-post to Facebook when that was still, or not Facebook, but Instagram, when it was still allowing it, uh, and uh, crossed into uh, triple-digit uh, followers this week. So you know, I'm 20% of the way to being able to offer subscriptions on there. And uh, you know, if I can just... If I can, uh, you know, 5X my followers and 10X my impressions, then I can start getting in on some of that sweet, sweet ad revenue they've been doling out lately. Do they really? They're doling out ad money now? Holy crap have they been doling out ad money. I mean, serious checks. Like, quit your full-time job, no problem checks um, to people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For just... Twitter stuff. Just Twitter. So the or, deal it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. It's X. Sorry, so the deal that. the deal is you you have to so have So what was the perceived benefit in changing the name to X? I, I don't know that I understand that, but you, you know more about the tech universe than um, I do. Elon wants to. He likes the letter X. He's wanted to do he's wanted to make X.com a thing all the way since before Tesla, SpaceX and all that when they developed PayPal. Like his initial initial vision was for X.com to really disrupt like banking and the financial industry and how payments work and all that stuff. And so kind of his vision now. Oh, so he has plans to, to develop a whole thing that's way more than just he, social posting. He wants X to be uh, WeChat, but not owned by the Chinese communist government. Like he wants it to be where you communicate and bank and post and order your, you know, your Uber, uh, like everything, like this one-stop shop of everything, which probably gets a little too um, uh, big brothery to me. I don't want all that stuff in one spot, but I, uh, as far as a, as a social media spot, I really, I really dig it. Like I've raved about X plenty on here and why I'm, I'm a fan of that format, but they started Mm -hmm. rolling out this ad revenue share and they've, they've tweaked it a little since they launched it. Um, but it's, uh, you have to have yeah, Twitter can be, or Twitter, yeah. X, it's tough. Some of the it's folks tough. in X can be a little aggressive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's better than not I, always a lot of chill no, there. It's, it's better than I feel like it's, it's ever been. I think part of it is kind of what you curate to, right? Like I try and be intentional about not having an echo chamber, but also, you know, you can, you can kind of weed some of that stuff out. But what they started doing was if you, you had to have subscriptions active like for people to subscribe to you, which means you have to have at least 500 followers. So you have to have that active and turned on. And then when they first launched it, you had to be getting, averaging at least um, 15 
No, you had you had to have, I think, at least a total of, I can't remember what it was. Like you needed 15 million impressions over three months or something like that. They've since reduced it and it's much lower. Um, but the the impressions only count if they're coming from verified users. So people who are paying for um, X premium, which used to be uh, Twitter blue. Um, and then, but basically oh, like- Oh, only verified accounts count. Yeah. Yeah, and so oh, but so all then, the free troll accounts don't really count for right. Them. But then all the all the ads showing up like in your comment sections and stuff like that, like they started doling out cuts. And of course, you know, not all of these accounts are created equally, but a lot of the accounts that yeah. I follow, oh, admittedly, some of them bigger accounts, some of them though not massive. I mean, we're talking like three thousand, four thousand dollar checks for you know, a month's worth of stuff. Obviously that, depending on what you're doing, that's not, a, you know, three or $4,000 a month isn't necessarily quit your full-time job money, depending on what you're doing. But there were much bigger checks for some of the the bigger people too, where it's like, But if you got three or $4,000 a month coming in from just, from just an X account, and my assumption is if you've got that, you also have a YouTube. If you've got that, you also have a podcast. If you've got that, you're probably affiliate marketing somewhere. Um, my imagination yeah. is you have other creator revenue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you can, um, very reasonably make a living being a, a creator on X at this point. And, and Elon has and said since that, he bought the, it out, like he wants it to be the, the best place, the most profitable place to be a creator. It's, it's very and intentional. The thing that, the thing that I see interesting there is, the ability to walk from the full-time job is the thing that's keeping a lot of people from really being them because they have to neuter everything so hard because they can't have quote unquote, the real live opinions or they can't go really, really full speed uh, because they got to keep that job. And as soon as you give some of those people the ability to have the time to not go into work eight hours a day and they can start creating full-time, I think you see a lot of different uh, avenues open up for them to do things, which is really cool. So I'm looking at a post. This is from like five hours ago. This is from the account CB underscore Doge. So it's, it's kind of a meme account. Uh, X creators got paid today for this month's ad revenue share. Um, so if you've ever heard of Ashley St. Clair, she works with uh, Babylon B. For this month, this is not her her primary job. Um, Ashley's ad revenue share was uh, a little over six thousand dollars. Oh, and that's just one of their employees. That's not even the Babylon. No, no, yeah, that's her personal uh, what whatever. Um, there's a guy who I I, I wonder wanna... if it, if the ads play in comment threads. I wonder if the political ish type people where there tends to be more arguments and therefore more comments. I wonder if they disproportionately get some of the ad money. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, they, they, you know, kind of, again, law of unattended consequences. What you've seen since they started doling out these checks is a lot more engagement farming, which is really annoying. Like, uh, you know, posting things that are obviously intended just to elicit a response, whether that's trolling or asking some, you know, what do you think? Or, uh, you know, I, I could probably stumble across some just scrolling through X right now. I, I'm trying to find some more. 
Um, like this is uh, some of these accounts. I don't know anything about them, so I'm not going to name like them. Just stuff like, oh, don't you hate it when so and so, so and so? And you're like, well, you didn't need that post. Doesn't really improve anything, but okay. it's definitely going to elicit responses. This is an account. This this is just from me doing a search for ad revenue on X. So I'm not going to name the account. I don't know what their content is. I don't know what they're about. This is 10, 10.8,000 followers. This is not a massive social media account, um, not on any brand of social media. Um, their ad revenue share for the past month was $787. They've only got 10,000 followers. That's not, I get it. I'm sitting down in triple digits, <laughs> low triple but digits. But they made 700 bucks. Seven, 700 bucks. 700 bucks is a, is a nice car payment. That's not a minuscule amount of money. No. Um. I don't know what this can, uh, first payment from ad revenue. Um, let's see. I want to see how many followers this account has. This can't be true. I feel like, I mean, they've posted a screenshot of the payment, but of course you can make anything look like anything now. This is an account with yeah. less than 1200 followers, 1,179 followers. What is this about? Hit the follow button. I don't even know what this account is about. Like, there's nothing in their bio. Uh, $4,656. Wow. I'm going to need to start tweeting. Holy cow. <laughs> or what do they call it now that, now that it's X? Is it still tweeting? Uh, posting. Or, I mean, it's, or is it Xing? No, you just post. It's just a post. Don't, don't have to over, don't overthink it. I, I mean, it's... Can I still post on my iWatch, Kale? How dare you, sir? So I'm just saying, like, mileage may vary. And it's I a can't tell you how much I enjoyed yeah. the hatred in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're, they're doling out some, some real money. I mean, we got to get you some uh, of that, bro. Uh, d- hey, dude, I'm, I'm trying my darndest. This, this Everybody guy, go on X, follow Solid 7 Podcasts. See, it's it's all over the place because like that account posted that they had less than twelve hundred followers. I'm looking at an account with almost one hundred fifty five thousand followers, uh, and his uh, uh, his revenue dividend for uh, for August is a little over seven hundred bucks. That other account claimed four thousand. That other account yeah, could so be it, full it's of crap. Kind of unpredictable. Or this guy could be. Or he could have posted four times. Well, or he's he's posting content that isn't eliciting. Interaction isn't eliciting Response. responses. Uh, and so you can see where yeah. it kind of incentivizes that. I'm not going to be that person. Um, I don't I don't want to farm comments. Um, for the same reason, I refuse to do a different podcast than this. Uh, there's all kinds of advice out there in podcast land that the Solid 7 podcast does not follow. Um, you know, the, the way we edit, the way the content is, the fact that this isn't a niche, that there's not some topic that we talk about every week. You're not supposed to do any of this crap that I do. But this is the podcast I want to do. This is the podcast that's interesting to me. I don't want it to be over-edited. I don't want it to be scripted. This is I this is what I would want to listen to. This is what I listen yeah. This is the kind of podcast I listen to um, elsewhere. And so... Um, just, just people you find interesting talking about crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes actually knowledgeable about that crap. You know what? Oh. What I want to do just to mess up your system. Let's hear it. I want group session podcasts where <laughs> where guests can heckle each other. Uh, you know what? I want to make my internet. Re-
Yes. Well, I mean, you know what's funny is, uh, you know, one of the many ways I describe the podcast is friends sitting around a campfire and that what's the podcast about? Well, what what is the conversation about when you're around the campfire or what is the conversation at, at the dinner table? You don't have bullet points. You don't have set topics. Hmm. You just talk. You catch up. You talk about whatever's going on, whatever's interesting, uh, right? But if, whatever happened, if uh, if you and me and the guys were sitting around the campfire, yes, there would be interesting conversation. There would be information conveyed, but there would be a significant amount of ball busting. And uh, the, oh. the the problem is nobody really pulls that off well in a podcast setting, with the exception of maybe like the Drinking Bros podcast or like when Joe Rogan. Um, does a fight companion and then he's it's like five of them on a mic but even then it can get just unlistenable when they're talking over each other and that's the part like the microphone discipline to have that oh. many people and not talk over each other can just be a freaking nightmare and then it's just it, it can, it'll it can be, be bad yeah it'll be fun in the room because you have that vibe but you, once you're you know once you're somebody with your uh you know podcast on in your car or your airpods and you're like oh well i mean never mind yeah, you're like, well, I'll just catch him up next week. Yeah, yeah. So, but so I, I don't want to. Do, so uh, it's not. I'm not looking to be uh, a full time content creator on X, but to the extent that it is a a natural extension of the podcast of what I do here in a way to drive interest and eyes and ears to the podcast. Um, and now it yeah. might, might be a viable potential avenue to accelerate the process of the podcast being what I do. Heck yeah, let's do it. I'll take some ad revenue. Well, if if you just kind of, you know, X interacting or comment interacting slash literally a guest farming a little bit and or just commenting on things you find interesting and would be reading anyway – as part of your just normal life and or podcast, uh, you know, prep. If in the middle of that, you find a way to make a car payment, bro, that's a win. That's yeah. a, that's a big, big win. Yeah. I mean, even I'll say even at what I've been doing now, like I, I, I try to be conscious and not just like making my post, being active in other people's, um, but specifically intentionally people I'm interested in having on the podcast, because yeah, as a as a booking tool, uh, it's invaluable because there's just such a difference between basically a cold call, email, or DM or something like that from "Hey, would love to have you on the podcast." To uh, what is this? To I recognize this logo because I've interacted with this several times, and I've had big names at this point uh, on here interact with me where. I th- they would know the logo if they saw it at this point. I don't know that they'd know what the podcast is about or who I am, but they there would be brand mm-hmm. recognition with some of these these big name individuals on here. Where not just like a clicking like on my comment, but commenting uh, back and forth a little like, bit. Like you you've had a you've had a back and forth you know comment or two discussion, right? Yeah. Like they've they've actually interacted with you as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, you're, you're right, a whole lot different than a random spam type comment in their DMs 
about, hey, I want you to come on my podcast. I talked about um, it a little bit. It's, with, it's just uh, a different levels yeah, of stuff. I, I talked about it some with last week's guest, uh, our, our buddy Colin, who you know, but uh, on one of uh, the the posts that I had go a little bit bigger on X, I actually had, uh, I was going to tell you, I'll give you the name off air, but you, I forgot you know the name because I was texting it in our, our little group chat, but I had a real foul mouth D-list uh, celebrity pop off in the comments on one of my posts. I say he's D-list. He's known. He's just not a lead. He's always a character actor and he bounces around from series to series. And you should uh, ask them to come on the podcast, dude. I don't want, um, <laughs> I don't want the kind of smoke that that's, I didn't even reply to like, you know me and you, I think you saw what he, oh, no, what yeah, he posted. Yeah. And you, you know, you don't need that. My, my natural, you know, that my natural income inclination was like, okay, let's go. And I didn't, I didn't yeah. respond. I didn't do anything because I don't want the kind of smoke that a dude like that brings, especially no. when the resources behind me are so limited right now. Right. So no, no. And you don't, you don't need, you don't need, um, you know, I don't need the kind of companies in town. Well, it's not even you that. Need certain companies in town that you're that proximity to getting, 4,000 phone calls about you. Yeah. Well, it's not only that, <laughs> but it's, not. I don't, uh, I got no problem going toe to toe debating with that dude. I, I wouldn't want to do it on like a format like social media because you can't get anywhere. You, it's sound bites. It's, you know, it's one liners. You're not going to change any heart and minds, you know, hearts and mind. I, I actually wouldn't mind sitting across from him on, on the podcast and having a, a conversation though. I, I, I find him a little grating in general. Um, but like the, the type of people that are like dedicated fans of that type of person, that's the interaction I didn't want. That's why I just didn't even engage because it's, I don't, I don't want to be, you don't, you don't need, you don't need 40,000 people that you don't get any productive interaction with to really want to interact with you. Yeah. Like, like right now the people who interact with you are either one-off comments or the people who want to. And you tend to want to have an interaction. Um, you don't. You don't need like a some really bored, dedicated haters. Yeah, that's not really something yeah, you need. No, I, I, though it's funny. Like the line now with X with the ad revenue shares, like monetize your haters. Like, hey, go go off in the comments, fam. Do do your thing. <laughs> Say your worst, because there's going to be ads. Please tell that, me that that is that. Please tell me that's an actual line that they use in official advertising because it should be oh it's it's not them it would, but the creators who are cashing in are like yeah monetize your haters go off on my in my comments whatever there'll be ads between all of your hate mm-hmm yep 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 yeah the uh in the youtube space there's a, there's a bunch of stuff like that too They're like oh you hate me thanks for the algorithm boost suckers yeah <laughs> Yeah, which we haven't talked <laughs> please, about. If you hate me, please please tell me below. Please please leave a comment about how much you hate me below. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like we haven't hit on that much when you've been on, but you've you've got uh, you know a a recently successful little YouTube channel going on where you're doing like uh, you know these these shorts kind of sounding off on things you are you know actually an expert in as a doctor. And uh, some of those and have I, gone pretty and big. Unfortunately, I, I ignored it for the last. I ignored it for the last two or three weeks because uh, I've been getting a house. Well, it might even be five or six weeks at this point, but um, I need to get back in on it. But yeah, no, it's to the point now where there there is every few months there's a check that shows up. You know, I I don't I'm not making a car payment on it or anything like that. 
but I, I have gotten a check or two. Um, but you know, I've well more than paid that money to my kids to edit the videos. I don't edit, edit it myself. I don't pretend to try and do that or want to bother with it. Um, but it's been pretty decent practice for the kids to do stuff. Like, so, um, you know, my kid learned graphic design stuff and she does, she can do pretty basic graphic thumbnail stuff now herself. Um, my others, my son has, has now, he could do basic editing videos now. He actually edits like the, like the youth group promo video bumper video kind of things. And like, he's learned some of that stuff that he does. Um, so you know, it's been pretty useful stuff, but, um, the, the long-term goal is that if enough of that can get going, that I, I don't have to, um, I don't have to deal with any of the actual details myself and I can sit down hit a button record and talk, then walk away and someone else does it. <laughs> that's, well, that's all the stuff. Listen, I, goal. I feel like I'm starting to, uh, <laughs> uh, get in this Joe Rogan vein of, you know, one of Joe's things is like everybody that comes on, if they don't have a podcast, he tells them they should have a podcast. And my new thing is like, um, are you posting it on X? But legit, you should be cross posting those videos natively onto X. 100%. I'm, I'm going to have to get a, so I, I own an X account right now. Um, uh, but it's jarble of letters and stuff like it's not really a branded, you know, who I am person. So yeah. I'll probably do that. Cause I have not been interacting. I use it largely to follow like Razorback sports. Uh, but I, I should probably start doing that. I've been very lazy and then not cross posting all the things to Instagram and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just going to have to be better. It's annoying. The dedication it takes to like, forcefully just keep doing stuff is kind of hard. But yeah. then again, if it was easy, I guess everyone would do it, right? Well, the thing is, though, dude, like you've got a big enough back catalog of that. Like you don't, you've got plenty of posting you could do before you'd need to be adding any new content to Creating it. Like new you things. could, you could be put, and like, it's, as soon as I can figure out how to do the green screen recording where you play a video and then like the, you're just in front of it talking, yeah. which I think is just, I, I'm sure it's just a very, very simple filter on something. I'm going to start doing ones on just the, the bull crap of weight things because there, there's so much insanity yeah. that people are saying out there. Dude. And it's one thing if some, some, some crazy fitness influencer is like giving some bad stuff because no one expects you to know something just because you have a six pack. But like there are plenty of places trying to pitch themselves as, as medical authorities saying some downright dangerous and stupid stuff. Yeah. And well, uh, hey, I would uh, love to combat it's that. It's a small aside, but actually go on and check out Descript because uh, I think some of that with the green screening and, and that kind of stuff is part of the functionality that, uh, that Descript Ooh. does well. So oh. it might be worth taking a look I'll at. I'll have to play with that. But uh, dude, where I think you'd, you'd benefit so much from from putting that content on X1, like they're just... Um, it's just not as tricky as YouTube at this point where like YouTube really wants the shorts and you've got to get thumbnails just right. And it's just all this craziness um, where it's just not that tough on X right now. And what they're really hyping, what's really doing good. And it's all open source at this point. So you can see what their algorithm is boosting and looking for at this point on X, which is part of what's so cool. Um, they're still working to clean some of that up, but uh, like native video content, especially original stuff like yours is really what they what they boost in the algorithm right now. I, I think your stuff would take off hmm. on there. I think you'd really see a lot of traction. I will have to try that. And I, it'd be such a, a natural it. place to branch out with what you're doing with the coaching and stuff. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you, I yeah, think I'll, have to, I'll have to try that out. Yeah. And then like, you yeah, should really like do that, start a podcast. And then I think definitely uh, try like DMT or ayahuasca. And I think, um, I think you'll really be on to something. So have you ever done native video on X on <laughs> shrooms? <laughs> uh, Hey, I mock because I love Joe, Joe Rogan's the goat man. So. But uh, he he is so funny to me. So we, we there are coyotes out here, and I started looking for videos on like like how to get rid of coyotes, and I I tripped upon a couple like Joe Rogan talking dude, about coyotes. I to, with dude, I, to, I told you, man, Joe's gone deep on coyotes, and the the answer oh. to the the answer to the question of how do I get rid of the coyotes is you don't get rid of the coyotes. No, you you don't yeah. really. No, that's not a thing. He's got a really great story of some dude had he was I'm I'm making up the number at this point, but a very very large pit bull, like a 90 pound, 120 pound pit bull, that he comes in his backyard. The dog's just just bloody near death. Drags the thing to the vet. Ends up making it. Everything's okay. Like man, what 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 jacked up a hundred pound pit bull? Like like what can do that? Like yeah. what could it possibly be? So, you know, the dog's at the vet, the guy goes back home and he decides to start kind of walking off from the mountains to like follow the trail of blood to see what, what happened to this dog, which to me is insane if he didn't yeah. walk back there with a gun, but whatever he, he does, that's the story. And apparently he rounds this corner behind, behind a rock cropping somewhere and finds like the fight scene. And there's like nine dead coyotes there. <laughs> and you know, coyotes are kind of smaller animals, right? Um, you know, they're vicious, they come in packs, they're smaller animals, and who knows how many there were. Yeah. But but there was now nine less of them. And, and he said it looked like a it looked like a like a movie set. There was just parts everywhere and stuff like that. Because this um uh, this crazy dog is just built different than yeah. the average coyote. But frankly, there's more coyotes. And Joe Rogan's thought process was like, how upset do you have to be to be a coyote? And you're like, oh, there's a thing. There's nine of us. There's one of them. It's a little bigger. We'll probably be good. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, you're normal. <laughs> and then you realize <laughs> your coyote math doesn't hold up at that point. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Allie, Allie Stuckey, who like she sounds off on on pit bulls all the time, and I I get the mantra of like it's the owner, not the dog. I do, and I like everybody else. I've been around pit bulls that you know, wag their little tails and licked your face. I mean, your cousin used to have this massive pit, Abram, which was a great, yeah. great name for a pit. That dog would put its paws on your shoulders and look you in the eye. He was massive. Yeah. And always really Abram sweet. was great. And and so I Abram could also fight a full grown hog. Yeah. That he he'd take him out and let him take down hogs. And my thing is it's like, you know, people who are pit people always wanna they wanna tout, you know, it's the owner not the dog, it's the owner not the dog. But I tell you what Every freaking time you read an article or hear a story about somebody getting mauled, if not killed, by a dog, it's a freaking pit. Every time. You don't even need to look at what breed it was. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And and do I think that maybe chihuahuas are more inherently evil? The answer is yes. Um, but if a chihuahua loses its mind and tries to kill me and my entire family in a field, I will win. Right? Um, and, and if a 90 pound pit bull tries to kill me and my wife walking down a road, I don't know if I win. Yeah. Right. You're, like, you're not coming out just, unscathed. You're, they're just different. You're losing blood. I'm absolutely not coming out scathed. And my, my highest immediate goal 
would be get it latched onto my arm and hold it down long enough for my wife to disappear and hopefully I don't bleed to death before she comes back with a guy with a gun. Yeah. Because I don't I don't expect that I automatically win that, right? Um, but I can I can I can beat a chihuahua. And so I don't think that all pit bulls are necessarily more prone to violence. It's just they're so much better at it. Yeah. <laughs> they're just yeah. They, they have such more capacity to kill other things than most dogs. And one of the things that Joe Rogan was talking about was like they're breeding them bigger now. Yeah. He said back in the day he used to have like a like an eighty or ninety pound pit and that was considered massive. There are now like two hundred pound pit bulls. Yeah. Like there's pit bulls as big as me. Well, That's not fair. I I bet. I bet your cousin's dog was every bit of a buck ten, buck twenty. I would believe that dog was over a hundred pounds. Yeah, I believe. It. Yeah, I was, I was he was in a rationally large dog, and again, yeah. very sweet dog. But that dog, I know, could fight a wild animal without fear. Yeah, and so were that dog to ever decide, I don't think I like Scott's look. <laughs> I want to. I want Scott to go away now. Yeah, like I couldn't stop Abram from making me go away. He's a big old scary no. dog. But yeah, coyotes are, are tricky. They're they're impressive animals, and they come in such varied sizes, right? Like you picture a coyote and, you know, you're picturing, you know, like the one sitting on the cliff howling at the moon, almost wolf-like. And, uh, you know, like we've, I, I live in just a thoroughly residential neighborhood. There's a fair amount of wooded area here. Uh, you know, we'll get the occasional Yeah, black. I would think your coyote is probably, what, 30, 40 pounds or something oh, like that? yeah. I mean, they don't look, every once in a while we'll spot one in the neighborhood and they really don't look much bigger than a fox. Um, yeah, I was really shocked how small foxes were the first time yeah. I saw one. Yeah, yeah, much like, like the chihuahua. I, yeah, I'm not sweating a fox. I got no problem with that. Um, no, I'll whoop a fox. Yeah, but 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 coyotes. <laughs> a fox. I'll right, whoop them. Coyotes are tricky. I mean, that's like my my uncle. One of my favorite places on on this planet Earth is my uncle's little farm uh, in Illinois, and it's it's over on the uh, the west side of the state, not not far from Peoria. Uh, but you know, we'd go up there and, and stay in the summers and we'd, we'd camp quote unquote camp, you know, we're outside the house in a tent and, uh, we rarely made it through a night cause we'd hear the coyotes howling and, uh, we'd all haul back inside and they weren't anywhere near us. But like my uncle, I mean, to this day, I don't know if he's ever had to bury a dog cause the farm dogs at some point they get old enough. They just slink off and the, and the coyotes get them. I mean, it's, it's just how it goes down. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I learned from, I want to say a Rogan podcast, like when they're howling, it's a roll call, they're taking count. And that's the thing. So like your property, if you take out the ones you're getting on your property, um, when the count goes down their biology, their litters increase in size. It's dude, I'm telling you, I did not know that. Yeah. So they, they, they increase to accommodate. Yeah. I, so listen, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't discourage their presence on your property in some way. Um, it's not like you got little kids running I, around, I have, but I know I your wife doesn't want ways. her dog to eat eaten. Uh, but I don't know that just uh, you know sending them to coyote heaven is the best way to go. Oh, I think it's a great way to go. Uh, I say you befriend yeah, them. I don't think it's going to be effective, but it's going to be part yeah. of one of the tools. I, I say you make it your. This could be you know your like villain origin story. Like befriend them, become their leader. Like, be their alpha. Ooh. Yeah. Just, like, be out there in a gray jacket, just yeah, hanging just, out? Yeah, just be like the uh, the bad guy from the movie Up or something. Just just walk up to the biggest one, punch it in the face, like establish dominance at first. 
then they're then they're yours. Now, do you go in like that? Do you go in as the immediate leader, clear clear in charge, or do you kind of like come in as like a number three or four, kind of like work your way up middle management? Yeah, no, I I think it's the same rules as if you happen to find yourself in prison. Yeah, you might lose, but you have to fight right now. Yeah, yeah. Just keep just keep going at the biggest, baddest dude until you're dead or everyone leaves you alone. That's so. So I had a I had a cousin who who did some prison time. I love you, bro. I love you. Um, he was explaining to me when I went to visit him. The the I think the one or two times I actually went to visit him because he didn't live near me. I went to go visit him in prison and. Um, I was like, how you been, man? He goes, oh, I'm doing pretty good. And he had like a bandage on. I was like, what happened? He goes, oh, I got stabbed. I was like, what? You just told me you were doing good. He goes, well, I mean, I am. I'm pretty good. But it is also true that I got stabbed. I was like, why did you get stabbed? And he goes, oh, some guy changed the TV channel. I was like, wait a minute. So you got stabbed because someone changed the TV channel? And he's like, well, that's the start and the end of the story. Uh, he's like, the middle part is if someone changes the channel when you're watching it, you have to fight them or now you're a punk. Okay. And so I had to fight them. And and then he he can't just lose to me um, or then he gets he felt some kind of way or whatever. So he stabbed me. And, uh, you know, you know, so it was, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, so, you know, you got in trouble and he got in trouble. And and uh, and he goes, uh, well, you know, we both got in trouble for fighting, whatever. And I said, oh, did he get in worse trouble for stabbing you? And. He's like, well, no, no, no. We 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 didn't talk about who stabbed who. We just we got separated. And I was like, so you don't talk about? It? He goes, no, that's you definitely don't ever talk about that. You don't say anything other than, um, hey man, leave me alone. Get me to, get me to the infirmary. You don't say anything about that. Hey, did he stab you? I don't know, man. I was I was busy fighting. I wasn't paying attention. I don't know who stabbed. Me. <laughs> so I think what we've stumbled upon here, and this will almost certainly be in the episode title, is that you need to shiv a coyote. Yeah, that might be the answer. Like, um, I have to prove to them that I'm not a punk, and they can't come on my property uh, without uh, without getting shivved. Yeah, you you gotta walk. What I did do is I found the area where I think they've been bedding down, and I mowed it over with my lawnmower. And um, there was actually like like a eighty percent of a cow skeleton out there, like full on big rib bones, hip bones, stuff like that. Some cow died out there twenty years ago, and um, and I moved all of those. And I set up solar power spotlights to, fl- to to shine on the area where they hang out um, to just make it as annoying as possible to them. I was really hoping you were going to say, I'm pretty sure I found where they bedded down. So I went out there and I peed all over it. <gasps> now I am going to pee out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you need to, you need to enlist your son. You guys need to make a grid map and you need to start and strategically just- uh, marking territory. Yeah. Here's the schedule of where we pee each yeah. day. You're not allowed to pee in the house so, anymore. So help me if I catch you peeing inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I, I think this is the point in the podcast where we where we call it. <laughs> okay, sounds fair. Sounds I, don't, fair. I don't think there's anywhere to we go let it, we let it from, get weird. from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, we might have uh, jumped the shark there with the uh, marking the territory on, on the new Bland Ranch. So that, and if I go that much longer than this, uh, the audio engineer uh, starts yelling at me. So he doesn't like compressing the audio too much and fair enough. So, but, uh, dude, it's, uh, always a good time. Always, always appreciate you. Um, if you don't get me a picture of you on a tractor out there for this episode artwork, just lose my number. Just, we're done. 
Um, I'll get you one on the zero turn. I own a zero turn now, so I will get you a picture on a zero Fair turn. If you want. I just want you looking just as country as could be. That's what I'm looking for. Do you want me to hold a cow skull while I'm doing it? <laughs> Is that I, too much? I'm actually, and this happens with uh, particularly my regular guests who are guys. I've got to just stop asking you guys for the pictures for the episode artwork. I got to just start texting the wives. The wives always have better pictures. They always have a better eye for it. And uh, yeah, you guys are always like, I'll tell my wife that I need a picture looking redneck on the zero turn. <laughs> and um, I'll, you know, I have hay now, so I'll take a piece of hay and I'll put it in my teeth. It'll be great. All right. Well, again, I think we've gone just slightly too far. <laughs> Uh, okay. But I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Have a nice night, buddy. Always a good time. Love having you on, man. Listeners, appreciate you for sticking with us. If in fact you have, uh, appreciate you tuning in as always. Like I said up front, if you haven't already, do us a favor, subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast app. That's a massive help to us. Uh, go over to X, give us a follow on the socials there and Instagram. We're solid seven podcasts, solid the number seven podcast, and uh, drop by the website where you can always find links to the latest episode, like the one you've just listened to, uh, our affiliates, uh, Origin Main, Jocko Fuel, uh, Go Ruck, Tuttle Twins, all great ways to support the podcast while getting something nice for yourself there. And, of course, links to good causes. We'll throw that uh, Convoy of Hope link on there and some other things. So uh, solid7podcast.com. It's solid, the number 7 podcastcom And until next week, we're out. The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order, get on the path, and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.